Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. <laughs> well, that <went> well. <laughs> Come on, guys. We had to be fair, I'm we can... didn't. <laughs> and also. <laughs> and Steph. I'm Steph. There we go. We got an out of Hey. Oh, guys. We did so well last time as well. Polite. I was going too polite. Pla- ladies oh, first. Okay. Is that what it is? <laughs> we knocked this live thing on the head then. <laughs> I think it's dead now. I think we. Oh my uh... god! Take two. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, right. we'll... Oh, go on. <laughs> yeah, we are live on uh, on YouTube, Twitch, my Twitter. Uh, so yeah, hopefully things are running okay. Uh, let me know if it's not. Uh, if everyone can uh, hear us uh, properly, please do let me know. And hopefully, I'll edit that that awkwardness out of the uh, the actual podcast itself. But uh, yeah, Steph, good to have you back. You're just here to uh, do your victory lap over the. Uh, the J1, uh, he didn't win the whole thing, but, you know, I think you uh, you changed he, some hearts and minds in the process. He was the real winner in everyone's hearts, that's for sure. And he got a big moment at the end, so, you know, J1 indeed. Well, there you go. He, he kind of, you know, he, he, felt, he failed at, like, that last hurdle, but, you know, you turned those round, you almost talked mm-hmm. talk WH Park around, uh, but I think that's a... That that's a tough task, really. But you know, we're all we're the biggest uh, Jay White fans in the world now, aren't we, JP? He's fucking awesome, isn't he? <laughs> Do you know what I thought it was today when I was rewatching the Ishi match? The beard. Ever since that came into play, like at a proper length. Like, mm. I mean, I've got a very short beard, but as soon as that happened, it was like, ah, he's all right. And I don't know what I like. I've seemed to have made a connection between the two. Mm. I think it's because the beard hides up his hides his face and when men see his face without beard they feel insecure and have to hate him so now the beard is covering bits of his face they are okay with liking him it's a theory (laughs) i think it's just more that he doesn't look like a child anymore now that he's got a beard because he had a very baby face kind of thing and i think uh, i think if he's going to be a bad if he's going to be a baddie he needs to have he he, he can't be walking around looking like a, a small child can he well, wait, wait till he shaves it once he defeats evil and becomes the biggest baby face in New Japan. Well, he's graduated from high school shooter, Jay White, of a, of a couple of years ago. To uh... What is he now, like, just full-on, like, ter- white terrorist? What's the what's the term? Like, what is he? Like, well, he's, not, um, he's, not, he's not all right, though, is he? He's not alt-right. I mm. mean. Well, 
Oh, right, Tyrus, that's the match. During the Ishii match on commentary, Chris Charlton said that Jay White was the type that would pull a knife in a bar fight. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know where he was going with that. So I guess that's the last yeah, time I heard. To- <laughs> the last time I heard that quoted was in the Untouchables. And Sean Connery <laughs> says it, and then he gets shot to shit. <laughs> uh, like, uh, so there we go. We all, we all, we all support the. Uh, the- the no longer high school shooter, maybe college shooter, maybe that's what he is. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, Jay right now, but yeah, obviously we're gonna we're gonna talk that. We're gonna do a deep dive uh, on the uh, the G one uh, momentarily, and uh, also talk some dynamite before we go as well. But to be honest, JP, more than anything, I just want to hear about your hangover. You were out with the Ogden boys yesterday, so Aww. you know, how are you, mate? You're okay? Did you survive? Like you did? I listened to graps and claps, and the first part went really well. And then I listened to the second part, like the second hour later in the day, and I heard you yeah. trying to get your plugs in at the end, and it didn't sound like it was going so well, mate. Mate, I was an absolute shambles by the <laughs> end. So two thirds of that, I was fine. Mm. Basically, some whiskies were got in, and then everything fell off a cliff very, very rapidly. And the the jovial TNA conversation just kind of went. And I'm still. I'm very sketchy on details, put it that way. But like my bank card got lost. Luckily, I do internet banking, so I was able to to sort out that mess quickly enough. Um, but yeah, it was a fool's errand. But if you're doing, if you're going to do graps and claps, you're going to do it authentically. You've got to do a problem. And all three of them can drink. Mm. Like they can drink and drink strong stuff. And you're going pint for pint with them. I'm looking at Jeff and I'm going, I'm in trouble, mate. I'm in big, big trouble. This is going to end in tears. We're kind of mixing this. Oh, here's some spirits. So, yeah, like for, I'd, I'd say about two hours, maybe two hours, 10. It's okay. I vaguely remember Andy saying, like, I've got 45 minutes recording time. And then we were all stood outside of Sainsbury's. Mm. So um, it'll be news to me what happens in that half an hour. And I was like, <laughs> but go along and listen. Yeah. yeah. Did I say anything too bad? No, nothing too bad. I can picture I can picture you, Gareth, though, being really jealous. They're going, they're talking TNA. You know, they're all on the pop. Oh. You were supposed to make the trip. Uh, you were trying to talk me into it a few weeks ago as well. How the uh, how the world has changed. Indeed. And now I was, I've listened to like the first 45 minutes this morning and there you were talking about like early WCW days and then uh, just as you were talking about getting into the TNA side of things and I was just sat there like human, like, oh, God, I, I, I want to be in a pub so much right now talking about this, but hey-ho, covid uh, we, we spent two hours just doing the first show. There was other stuff as well that I don't think we really got into. Or I don't remember if we got into. We could have done later on, like I say. Mm. It's, it's, it's all a bit of a blur. I think the last match I kind of remember talking about was Jenna Maraska versus Charmel. Mm. Um, which is... One I mean, of the greatest the matches worst. of all time. It's the worst match of all time. Mate, it's shocking. Like <laughs> People complain about like the camera work in uh, in new japan when it comes to leering on women it's dis- it's disgraceful it really is like what what they do in this match and then everything that happens in the match it looks like they they just shove the camera like up her asshole basically <laughs> and it's yeah and then the match happens everything breaks down just falls off a fucking cliff um yeah and it's it's really it's it's really bad. The the original show, if you go back, see if you can spot the um, homophobic race. There's like overt homophobia. There's overt racism. There's overt misogyny several times. 
there is all there's jokes about incest um on that first show and it's a miracle they survived and they're here today so yeah like go back and watch it's on fucking youtube let's take all their good stuff on youtube you don't need to subscribe to impact plus I wouldn't <laughs> what what call. year was that what year was that much? 2002 wow oh no no the the charmel one is oh god i don't know what turning point oh generic name um i think it's 2009 or 2010 yeah uh-huh. it's fucking awful it is and russo and ed ferrara are all over that first tna show go back and watch it's do you know what it, it's it makes for sort of like a great comedic evening if you're sitting in and you just want to watch want to watch some daft shit <laughs> it was it was a, it was kind of a lot of fun and I'd watched Evil Sonata that morning. I was quite angry. So I was up for a session. And weirdly, that first TNA show, I used to wash out the taste of a G1 finals block. What does that tell you? There you go, wow. Ghetto. There you go, Ghetto. Get watching the early uh, early TNA for some booking inspiration there if uh, Evil Sonata's not hitting the mark. Maybe he should be the one apologising to them. Mm. <laughs> well, I was going to say, JP, the, the benefit of having a live chat apparently is Victory Road 2009. Uh, thanks to uh, Chris Wilson for that one. Is uh, oh, we can check out Jenner and Charmel. Yeah, uh, like I, it's funny you mentioned like the TNA knockouts division. I was like, I couldn't sleep the other night in bed, so like I was scrolling Facebook, and the other way it's got like the video feature now, and it just plays like you get like all kinds of random clips. Like and it played me in the uh, the American equivalent of Family Fortunes, Family Feud, I think it's called with Steve Harvey, and it was the TNA edition. You would fucking love this, JP. It was wrestler. The title was terrible. It was wrestlers versus knockouts. So, like, the knockouts just aren't wrestlers, apparently. Uh, They don't count. Um, And it was, like, Velvet Sky, Angelina Love. uh, I think it was uh, Christy Hemi. um, Victoria was on the team as well. Up against uh, Mick Foley, Mr. Anderson, Rob Van Dam, Jay Lethal and his macho man gear. I think... Oh, no, it was Matt Morgan was the other one. Um, Tell you what, Steve Harvey was really impressed with Matt Morgan. He was like, you know, he's tall... You know, he he's got he passes that airport test, JP. Uh, he impresses the uh, the regular people. Uh, he, that's purely what he was there to be was to be tall, like his entire wrestling career. He's 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 a QAnon Republican these days. Is Matt he? Morgan. Yeah, I shouldn't be so sure. Yeah, he's one of them. Yeah. Oh, loads of them. I'm expecting mm. a good at least thirty-five to forty percent of wrestlers to mm. in the you know in the United States to believe QAnon. <laughs> I'll be shocked if it's anything lower than that. Oh, it's bad. There's a lot of them out there. It's something to do. We're getting dropped on the head for a living. I feel like there's like a there's a connection there, yep. and they weren't a particularly good at Family Feud either. So that probably uh, tells the story too. There's a WWE episode as well. Pop up with suggestions after, and Mr. Anderson was on that too. So I feel like he's just like the world's biggest fan of, uh, of Family Fortunes. Uh, should get him on. Maybe we could have a chat about the uh, the British show. Maybe he's got memories. It's a good gig that though for TNA getting on that show. I'm uh, yeah. I'm quite surprised they managed to uh, managed to land that. It's a, it's a fucking far cry from having to put your shit out on Twitch these days, isn't it? <laughs> having fucking mainstream game show like uh, credibility down to that. Big Tony needs to get so his finger many out. <laughs> so like an, many chances, TNA. Maybe we could have like an AW version of like is catchphrase still on? Do you like AW catchphrase or or the AW supermarket so... sweep? Maybe that could be something. Could work. That would Blankety be awesome. Blank. blank. Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> With John Leslie. Supermatch game, supermatch game, supermatch game. There you go. John, John Leslie would fit right in with wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know. Um, if you think wrestling's bad, I've got news for you about all other forms of entertainment when it comes to people. Yes. Like that. I saw somebody tweet that this weekend. It is very fucking true. I think all of our he- very, heroes, I... Barrymore. What was that stuff? I was going to say, as someone that's currently like watching Glee from season one onwards, it's very true that other forms of entertainment are just as, if not even more, problematic and uncomfortable to watch due to their stars as wrestling. <laughs> oh, I think about the loop. What happened with the Glee cast? Or do I not want to know? Uh, so one of them was caught with a load of uh, child porn and oh. um, was uh, he... Well, he killed himself before he could be sentenced. But in an episode I was watching yesterday, um, the girl he was dating said that she wanted to make a sex tape, and him with him and him and the girl had to be told that that would be underage porn and that child porn was illegal. And like they were telling it to this guy, who that's what he ended up getting done for. Wow. Yes. Yeah, wow. yeah. It's like you're watching him in the show, and it's like, oh, I like this character, but I can't not think about like this whole thing is bad <laughs> so yeah all entertainment is problematic in some way there's always someone well let's go dark g1 climax <laughs> sorry for bringing the chat <laughs> but you know wow we have the, we have the to be fair we, had, we did have a suggestion in the chat for uh, aw versus mm. fulham uh, when it gets big tones uh, attention for a full month aw at crufts that oh. could be one that could work <laughs> Sheepdog trials. <laughs> AW. One man and his dog, and another man behind a tree, <laughs> motioning quickly. Uh, I saw a big tone on uh, on Twitter today, like uh, celebrating uh, Fulham's draw. I mean, what kind of man celebrates a draw, Gareth? Eh? Like that's like that's the worst part of football fandom, I think. When uh, when your team doesn't win and you uh, you gloat on Twitter, don't you agree? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think there was uh, there was pr- practically fireworks going off in my living room um, at, uh, from two th- two thirds of the viewers on a on on the other morning uh, when that was fancy that. Oh fuck me! Yeah, that, how, uh... how difficult was was that match viewing experience at yours? It was weird because like normally them two would be at Goodison, so like having to watch it with them like in the in the house at the same time that was like pretty pretty mad i think we were all on our best behavior we were all quite conservative and then um but then obviously um then i got it in the fucking neck like obviously once that uh var decision at the end um <laughs> came into play and uh, the tides were turned on, on what should have been a late winner but hey ho i was yeah maybe it's i think it's more um i think it's more telling of the kind of um football fan that i am these days that i was more fucking disappointed that i just missed out on a man a assist so you know <laughs> I, I honestly did do that when salah scored i was like i was gutted like i ran into my kitchen fuming and then I kind of had that, oh, yeah, right. oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Salah, though. Like that, that's like, it could be worse. <laughs> Every cloud. Oh, I, I can't argue, though. Like, I'm not going to be that. I'm sure uh, I'm sure Sarah is, Gareth, but I'm not going to be that Evertonian that's like, oh, yeah, he, he was well offside, man. I was, he fuck. Like, and, you know, Pickford should have got sent off. Completely agree with that. Uh, Richarlison, it, 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 honestly, it, it took It took Sarah a good, uh, a good two hours to admit that was a foul on Van Dyke. <laughs> what was her explanation? Because he literally, uh, he was, he was, he was going for the ball, and apparently that's that's fine. Apparently that's fair and justified. Going for the ball, you know, you can uh, shoot people as long as you're going for the ball. <laughs> full, full on drop kick at that point, Jesus. 
Benno, did you scale the fence for Goodison this time? Like no. Like I said to you. But after the game, I, sakes, I, went, I did go out for a drive afterwards and I saw, like, I drove past Goodison and it was as the players were leaving. And I don't know for certain, but, like, one of the Everton players, like, I saw drive past in his car, still wearing, like, his Everton shirt. And you could, I saw him, like, lean out the window and you could see his name on the back. I swear it was Richarlison. I swear he was just getting out of Dodge, like, doing a runner, not even getting changed, just getting the fuck out of there uh, before any uh, angry Liverpool fans like Gareth uh, turned up at the stadium trying to break his leg. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when they come out, trick. when they leave Goodison, do they go anywhere near like your road and stuff like that? Because I mean, I'd, I'd be fascinated to see Liverpool players and sorry Everton and Liverpool players in their cars driving through, driving around your neck of the woods, getting on that county road. I think only right. if they're like they're trying to find Batman. I think that's the only reason. They would say. Is he still around? I haven't seen him to be honest. He's been in the city centre though, shooting, uh, shooting stuff on the Liva building, um, shooting stuff in the uh, the centre of town. Uh, no more. But those those one like meme of him was there. Like I think I put it in the in the show image for last week in his uh, in his dressing gown, wandering around. Like he's been in Liverpool for five minutes and he's already uh, going to shop in his uh, <laughs> <laughs> in his nighttime gown. Uh, that's all. Uh, I was oh. going to say though, like on a football point of view, Gareth, you're uh, last last check you were second in the uh, the fancy football. You were uh, you're flying up the table there. I don't know if uh, today changed anything. Yeah, I think uh, I think old son. I think probably has changed a bit round up at the top there. But yeah, you know, I'm just nicely just tucking in there. Just ease my way into ease my way into the top three. We'll just uh, we'll just take it from there. I noticed uh, you two weren't doing so great uh, comparatively, but again, oh, it's it's, it's, it, 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 it's a long season, isn't it? Uh, comparatively. It's a long season. <laughs> Mate, I, I, I've had a 70-point weekend and I've still got two players to go because I had Son and Kane in my team. I had Son oh, as captain. Inexp- okay, those Spurs lads. They did. Well, uh, it was it was the perfect result for me. It was like lots of points, check. Spurs collapse, check. All good. I'm happy with every aspect of that. Sister is disgusted, but, you know, can't make an omelette, can you, without breaking some eggs. <laughs> um, I also had a Villa defender and a Villa keeper. My bench, I had bloody Michael Keane on that. Um, yeah, so uh, v- very happy overall with that. And I've got hopefully nil-nil between Leeds and Le- Leeds and Wolves. Yeah. So don't judge it all on that Saturday, mate. I'd fuck all play in that day, don't you? you know? <laughs> well, what I was going to say is, JP, you know, we might as well mention it now. You're maybe not too, doing too well on the FPL like me, but, you know, there's, uh, there's some, there was a pick em out there, Voice of the Wrestling. You, you, were, in, you were in the heat. You were, it was possible, oh. mate. You could have won it. Uh, I feel like uh, Sonata screwed. Get, we'll blame Ghetto. Ghetto screwed you over just like he uh, screwed over me and Steph in the uh, in the post pickums. I finished for third from bottom in the C block. Uh, I don't know where where you ended up in the uh, in the C block, Steph. If you've had a chance to look, but it's uh, it's not looking very oh. good for us on the post ones. And yeah, JP unfortunately failing at the uh, the last hurdle there on the the voice of the wrestler. I got 55 points in the post one. Mm. You got 51, so I beat you. And that was all yes. I wanted then. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so if I'd been in C block, I would have, there would have been four winners, me waiting, Davy Portman and Brad the Archivist. So Good company. not a bad result. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I I failed miserably towards the end. I uh, I Jay Whited myself. That's what I did. Um, <laughs> Jay Whited yourself. <laughs> I, that is you know, not a term. <laughs> it wasn't Sonata that screwed me over. It was Will Osprey because I had a carder to win it. So when all that stuff happened, it kind of was a bit of a fantasy league moment. Mm. 
Because as soon as B Priestley was out, I went, oh, for fuck's sakes. I went, no, 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 no. Yeah, you're just gonna you're just gonna console him. Okan comes out like, for fuck's sakes, this is going, yeah. And then I thought, this is actually better direction. But just for one year, like you normally take four fucking years for a lad to put on a pair of fucking gear before he's allowed to even wrestle anyone halfway decent. Couldn't hold off on this. Six months. No. Had to do it there and then. The prick. Anyway, <laughs> that fucked it up. I finished ninth overall, which was, you know, abs- absolutely fine. I'm all right with that. Mm. I'm a pessimist. You know, expect the worst, and then you're pleasantly surprised. There you go. That's yeah. the way it's all hard. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think we had a lot of our... Life is pain, people. You never get what you want. <laughs> Well, I definitely wait, like, found that out this week on Twitter, JP. So, you know, um, that is uh, that is 100% true. Um, yeah, you fucking dillweed. <laughs> I called it dillweed this weekend. What's going on? Like, I was having a really nice weekend, and then all of a sudden I got attacked by WWE Twitter. On, I don't understand what I did wrong, lads. I just I feel like, I feel like oh. it's not my fault. It's because you're so entitled. You're <laughs> just so entitled. Yep. Uh, well, go and have some sex. <laughs> Honestly, you know, I'll do that. I've never been told so many times to have sex on t- on. T- <laughs> and I wouldn't care, but some of those boys looked—they had faces like bulldogs licking piss off a nettle. Honestly, <laughs> they looked absolutely foul. Oh, so to have some mutant saying that, I thought, well, <laughs> you doth project too much, don't we? <laughs> so it's an awful thing to say about another human being, but here we are. <clears throat> yeah. It was a bad. Don't weekend. say that shit if you can't take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. I. I unfortunately. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know what? You know what I think my problem was, JP, that I basically just tweeted out that uh, that I hope that Ben Carter literally makes no no money for the rest of his life. Uh, I then personally went round to his house and took all the food off his uh, off his kitchen table so that his uh, his kids and his family couldn't eat. Uh, and then I did you take Christmas with you? <laughs> Don't know what. Did you take Christmas with you? <laughs> I should have. That would have been the best. Uh, that would have been the way to get around it. Honest to God, though, I was just—I was absolutely ratioed. Like, I, I got a, I got a few hundred likes, but I basically got like something like eighty different people quote tweeting me, telling me variations of things like, "I need to get a life," "I need to go and what was it?" Hire some bitches, I think was the uh, sign up some bitches, sign some bitches. That was it. I got told to sign some bitches. I don't know what that means. Benno's bitches sign up sheet is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, honest to God. Sign them up for what? The FPL? What? (laughs) Sign them up for the Fantasy Premier League. I mean, like, (laughs) sign up for what? Exactly. It's unbelievable the, like, disgusting misogyny of these men on the internet that they, like, project this shit saying stuff like, go get some pussy, use the word bitches and all this stuff. Like... It is just unbelievable how certain men, when they disagree with something, just automatically go into that like horrible mindset of like let's just call someone a virgin while simultaneously like being completely misogynist by the way that they think of women, mm. <laughs> because the way they think of women is clearly just like pretty much mannequins for them to like s- sit and fuck to make themselves think that they're men. Anyway, sorry, but 
I think all those men are probably fucking virgins that <laughs> I can't imagine any actual what? woman wanting to spend any time with a guy like that. <laughs> like, if you were to read his Twitter and see him saying that shit, like, come on. <laughs> see, I appreciate this, but I do notice that none of the three of you came to my defence. I was left on my own having to, having to defend all these attacks of being a clown and a, an AW stooge. Uh, JP, what, what was the name was on? It was on Saturday. It was Saturday, yeah. That was when I made the mistake. Yeah, I was pissed. You fucking heard where I was. Like, no to join in a defence. I mean, you did pretty well on your own. You told a guy that his nan's got the internet, so... I hate that. I get so angry when people do that, when people go, oh, typical internet wrestling community. It's like... There is no, there's no internet wrestling anymore. We're all on the internet. You're right. Your nan's on the internet. People have got fridges that are connected to the internet. Like, it doesn't exist anymore. That's what I got up mostly. That plus the clown stuff is what I mostly got angry about. Um, you know, I can live with the sex stuff. Listen, I'm a single man in my thirties. I'm trying. It's a lockdown. Everyone, there's only so much I can do. You know, it's a whole issue. Um, that I can let go. It's the rest of it. But yeah, uh, I, that's it though. I, I really just, I shouldn't have set out there to uh, to be so... Uh, how You know, Ben Carter's going to go to WWE. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen the news, he's been signed. The rumour is he's got visa issues, so he's going to go to NXT UK. Totally get it as like a, as like a human being. I understand why, you know, it's a, it's a job in a pandemic. There's videos out there, isn't there, saying it's his dream to go to WWE. But the mm. point of my tweet was to say, well, now he's gone to WWE, I'm never going to see him again. Or I'm barely going to see him because he's going to go to to a show that I don't watch every week. He's going to, I said to you, Steph, like his ceiling is what, you know, Ricochet. And like, let's, yeah. we've all seen like how, how they've handled Ricochet. And that's if he even gets that far. Like he could just go to the fucking, the warehouse in Enfield and be, you know, jobbing to Gallus on NXT UK TV. Uh, although I did get somebody in my comments saying that, oh, well, you know, it, it worked out for Tyler Bate. Did it? Did he wake up for Tyler Bates in the next UK? Because how many singles matches has Tyler Bates had? Um, yeah, I feel like it's a, it should be obvious that, you know, none of us are uh, a Ben Carter's mum. So, you know, uh, he's making some money. He's gotten a job. Great for him. Uh, it doesn't mean I can't be disappointed as a fan of someone who, you know, had, had a lot of potential and could have had an exciting career over these next few years is, uh, is going and signing with the Fed. Um, I don't know. What do you reckon on that one, Gareth? Uh, I just think the Ricochet thing is like, if you think where Ricochet was, like when he came into like the level he was at in, you know, New Japan and things like that. And like Ben Carter's at, what level is he at? Like slightly above a kid level or something like that, maybe. So, yeah, he's not even at like the level of where a Tyler Bate was probably even when NXT UK started up and things like that. So, I think he's got a lot more. Um, I think he's got a lot more hip tosses in a warehouse in London in his future, hasn't he? Uh, in the next few years, rather than actually uh, advancing his career by any notice, notable means. And I, the thing I just was laughing so much reading your like replies was uh, all the people saying about him like getting to earn good money and getting to you know like you, you're denying someone that I was thinking hang about it, it, it more money doing the fucking trolleys at Morrison's probably wouldn't he based on what some of these NXT UK contracts are and selling a bit of merch on the side on pro wrestling tees off his like AW dark stuff he'd probably get more money out of that but yeah hey yo the thing is, like, WWE are probably really glad he's had these visa issues because they just seem to like taking anyone that's not American and sticking them in NXT UK. So considering that he had to, he's had to go back, they're like, oh, thank God, now we don't have to give him a US run with all our proper wrestlers. We can just <laughs> stick him in stick him in the BT Sports Studio and, and forget about him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I... I, I 
I, I mean, per him, if he has visa issues, because he had a good thing going on um, appearing on Dark, and he was really impressing people. And now, yeah, RIP. And the visa issues are the reason he basically had to sign with Enix with WWE. Mm. I'm assuming Good. that he wasn't going to be able to sign with with AEW. He'd have been waiting around for months. It's it's very it's really sad because in normal non-COVID times, if that was if that was a case, there might be a case of like he'd go back and he'd work some indies for six months and whatever, and then go back kind of over and just sort of spend that bit more time. Mm. But it's also the kind of desperation to grab any available talent because I fully expect someone like Lee Moriarty to be signed up like very very soon as well. The problem uh, is, like, with this pandemic, everyone's thinking, like, oh, if if I get an offer, I have to take it because this is a situation we're in. But it, it would just be, I would just love some people to just bank on themselves and mm-hmm. wait this thing out and see where they could actually end up once this is all over instead of, of signing these NXT UK deals that don't really seem to make stars at anyone <laughs> I, I just think from an AEW point of view as well though like when they've had that they've had him there and it was on that it was on that dynamite special as well wasn't he and he like he, he did a was it was that when was that the scorpio sky match yep. wasn't it and, right, yeah. and like that went down really well he's you know he had like rave reviews off that clearly very popular clearly someone they were dead interested in why can't they just stick him on a 30 grand a year contract or something like that and just like stick him in the UK and he doesn't have to be on telly, he doesn't have to be in America or things like that. It just feels like sad to me that it's just like someone who's slipped through the fingers like that who they who they could have gone after just because just because he can't you know can't get a visa right now kind of thing. It's either going to make a dent in AEW's budget to just like throw a bit of cash at the lad and say, well, there you go, just, you know, Let's wait until we can sort stuff out a bit more because, you know, surely you think and play the long game and when we can get him on TV in 12 months' time or something like that, it's going to gonna work for us. But God knows, you know, do you know how many years he's signed up? For no, but all of, literally the way the news broke was Miro was doing a Twitch stream, which is the most 2020 <laughs> thing ever. And he basically was like, yeah, we lost one. Uh, I, I don't remember who it was. I saw somebody comment on it going, yeah, there you go. Big tone, failing in another transfer window yet again. Um, but Ben Carter's tweeted like a little hourglass thing. And I saw like uh, Marek Brave giving uh, who's his other trainer other than Seth Rollins, giving people grief on Twitter as well. So it's it's very clear that he's signed. Um, but yeah, obviously uh, me and the other complainers need to uh, to go outside and get a life. That's uh, that's the biggest lesson we get from this. Because uh, that's it. Wish- he wasn't going to be a whale beater either, was he? That's I'm not, you know. Sorry, it's not a whale beater right now. It's not like we're like, oh yeah, we've you know we've lost one of the best wrestlers in the world. It's just it's just disappointing because of the pure potential he's got. Um, it's not the biggest issue, but it it's, it is. It's a it's it's a disappointing one. Sorry, Steph. No, I was gonna say it kind of serves us right for getting us, our hopes up about someone associated with Seth Rollins, mm. because like, that should have been the major warning sign right there, like yeah. the, the 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 man that will literally make you want to turn off the TV because he's so void of any kind of charisma or whatever is his mate. So I guess it was inevitable <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. It was. I, I can remember bring, when we were talking about Ben Carter a few weeks ago. It was like. Yeah, the the Seth Rollins thing always is the bit that kind of makes you worry about him being in his ear and telling him how much he could earn. Um, but I wouldn't worry. I mean, Dynamite are killing it in the UK. So <laughs> like, do they need to get a Ben Carter? You often wonder. 
I didn't even know they were still on ITV. Like like Cody tweeted that graphic today about <laughs> no how idea. the kill impact in the ratings no and they do better than WWE. It's like ITV couldn't care less about AEW. I don't think he. <laughs> someone can let us know in the chat, but because I'm watching it on you know fight at this point, like. I, 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 honestly, oh, I'm fine, yeah, I've got it on fire. Yeah, on my account, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm trying to not get you in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Um, mystery person whose fight account that I used to watch Dynamite on. <laughs> but I'm told it takes a few days for it to go on the hub, which is the reason I have to do that. That's uh, that's why. Uh, at least I'm not using the watch wrestling sites. At least with that. 11 p.m. on Fridays on ITV4 says the chat. Oh, I, I didn't know that either. I watch it on fight live (laughs) i mean i i was surprised as well when they said they were doing well on itv because i was like oh okay i thought that was yeah (laughs) the main main thing i took out of that was it was like the reverse it was like fucking hell how badly are wwe doing then if that's Mm -hmm. well if that's if that's the if if aw like doubling them kind of based on a time slot on a shit channel that no one knows is there it's not you know then if this is supposed to be like Raw and SmackDown that have been mm-hmm. for years and years and have obviously had that massive BT push behind it, you know, there's been so much BT publicity around it. And then if if Dynamite's crushing it, then, like, God, it just makes you think about, like, the future for, like, WWE futures, uh, sorry, tours and things like that in the future and things like that. If, they're, if their numbers are sinking to such low, low levels as that, especially compared to what they were on Sky, then, like, then, like, God, you know, what is the future over here? Bad, I hope. But uh... yeah, It doesn't help they to produce pure shite, really, at the end of the day. That's that's always the issue that WWE are going to have, it has isn't ca- it? That, um, that's the thing people forget, I, I was... JP, like, do, like WWE. You know, you can make all the excuses you want. It has been terrible for 20 years. I think, I think, yep. I think we don't give that enough credit that for the better <laughs> part of two decades, it's not been very good. Like, there's been little moments, yeah. and there's, you know, maybe not the full two decades, but most of it. It's been pretty crap, so yeah, kind of makes sense that they might be bleeding fans and that uh, wrestling in general has a tough time uh, attracting new fans. And the thing I can't understand with Dynamite when it comes to ratings and stuff is, I suppose, because it's ITV Sport that deal with it, it's not part of the entertainment part of it, so the cross-promotion stuff, I'm not saying you have Roy Keane cut a promo when he's talking about international football highlights the next time on ITV, although I would love to see that him having to kind of make some acknowledgement of that. But that's the kind of way, you know, in the way that Gary Lineker was, it, he plugged SummerSlam, didn't he? Not very convincing. Yeah. Roy like, Keane, like Ian Wright on ITV after England, Denmark, they were going, well, you know, I don't even know the score in that game. What, what was the score? England, Did England win. Don't pay attention. God knows. Yeah. Or whatever. Like take the goal. So it's dynamite. By the way, that's on ITV4 on uh, Monday night at uh, 11. I honestly think, though, all AEW needs is some kind of good UK time slot, good UK publicity to get people in the way that WWE did in the late 90s, early 2000s in the UK. I just think, like, I think obviously the pandemic hasn't helped, but I feel like if ITV actually would care about them and give them some kind of good slot or just some way to get them some kind of promotion over here because they don't get any any promotion whatsoever. Mm. And and I just feel like like WWE think that they're gonna blow up the UK market if they get like Tyson Fury back to fight Drew McIntyre or something. And I just honestly can't see that having 
any interest whatsoever with okay. normal people, like <laughs> at all, you know, <laughs> that, but I feel like Dynamite, if, if that was a show that they could just get a time slot on where people would, would see it, then they might have a bit of a chance. More, more so, though I don't like know about other sports. Is BT Sport considered lesser than Sky Sports to people that actually watch sports? Yeah, definitely. Personally, I think it's a better TV service, if you ask me. Um, mm. But it's it's definitely lesser in terms of channels. I mean, I get mine through my mobile phone contract. Mm. Basically, that's the only reason I have it. Um, I get that. I get it because my mum works for BT. There's a pattern here, and now I'm watching all this stuff. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there is, mate. I fully subscribe to your uh, ways of watching stuff. I'm, I'm on. To, I'm on to you, Eo. Where, where there you're getting like slagged on Twitter and they're telling you to find a girlfriend. If this girlfriend ends up working in Greg's, <laughs> like, uh, <Yes. laughs> you're just trying to cover all your bases, aren't you? <laughs> That's what you need to try. Uh-huh. You develop Greggle, but no turns it into <laughs> Tinder meets Greg's. Uh, Greggle, so yeah, there you go. Oh, I betrayed Greg's this weekend watching. Uh, while I was watching the G One, I got a, I got a McDonald's breakfast. Those, like that. Just one of my weekends. Fake ass fan. I know, I know. Just when you thought my weekend go, it couldn't go any worse as well. I ordered it right during the B Block show, um, and it, and it ba- basically didn't come until the, the semi main had finished. I was sitting there waiting for an hour. It got passed from delivery driver to delivery driver. Then it eventually came on my coffee. I, I'd ordered. Five hash browns and orange juice and a black coffee, which I feel like is a breakfast of champions. They Five? didn't. They didn't include my coffee. Yeah, I saved two for two for the next day, which I had this morning. <laughs> oh my god! I bought two. I bought a pack of two chicken bakes, Greg's chicken bakes from Iceland, and I uh, turned the oven on during the intermission this morning, and they were ready just before the main event. So that was good. They cooked during the Osprey match. And I got to enjoy the G1 final with two Greg's chicken bakes. That's the way to do it. Be prepared. Good work. <laughs> I did the, uh, during the B block final, I basically, I made sure to empty and then refill the dishwasher and uh, some washing as well, which I considered a small win. <laughs> That's the B block. fucking shite. I feel like I should have some menial task here that I should add that I was doing whilst watching the G1, but unfortunately I've got nothing. I was just, well, I have actually, I was updating a spreadsheet. There you go. Yeah. You can have that. Very important. <laughs> I, bet, I bet the Excel was much better than what you were seeing going on in the ring between two supposed tag team partners who wrestled as if they were anything but. Like they've never met before in their entire lives. <laughs> yeah. How they wrestled. Oh. I did notice actually, Gareth, during the, uh, the final today, um, you'd uh, you'd put the main event on before it had finished. And I was so tempted to just go in there and just give it one star, but I didn't want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's normally there's normally one. It's a it's a risky game. I was because uh, I could actually like leave the house today. Like Alex could go and play football again this morning. So unfortunately, that was like yesterday. I did the big yes, I can take him to football, and then I was like, oh fuck, it's the G one. Like so, there was that kind of like swings and roundabout moment. So I managed to watch all the important stuff, all the fucking six man tags and all that shite, and then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then had to leave the house like just before the final. So I thought, yeah, better get it up there early and let's hope for, hopefully people are, uh, hopefully people are using things right and not throwing ratings in there for things they haven't seen, but it occasionally happens. <laughs> That's it. You can't, uh, you can't abide it. And you know, there might be certain people going on there putting 0.25 for certain matches before they've seen them. <laughs> but That's okay. That's okay. It's grapple. It's an average guy. If it works at a tell hey. fault as, uh, as time goes on. 
Um, yes, or even or even whole cards, but only when it's from some promotions. There you go, and not others. But <laughs> what can you do? Uh, JP, I'm reliably told today you uh, you watch the show from a hill. Is that true? Um, yep. And by reliably told, I mean you told me before we press record. But you know, I'd yes. love to find out more about the hill. Oh well, when I woke up, I was in no state to sit through a long <laughs> Sonoda match. I really was. You'd message me. I'd seen some of the undercard stuff because it required zero brain power, mm. which is possibly the only way to enjoy those things is basically be absolutely hanging after what turned into a very messy session. And yeah, so I had to like, I went, right, I'm going to do it while I'm walking up the hill, mm. went out on the walk to kind of, you know, get myself to feel better. And I felt great afterwards. So I watched it walking up there. And that felt like a. Yeah. Oh, we're not going straight into the final talk, are we? Like, Can do if you want. Away. I mean, we're going to get can into it in a second, but we're going to talk the overall weekend. Like, but yeah, you can if you want. You can mention it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I probably liked it more than you, but then I found myself liking that. I found myself watching Kota Ibushi a lot of the time mm. and seeing, frankly, a bit of a golfing class. Mm. Going to be honest, honest at that main event level. Like it was G1 finals. Like we'd seen some great matches in this tournament mm. and that one didn't deliver. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, I was going to ask about like how everyone's feeling coming out of the G1. Cause it's kind of, it's only dawned on me while we've been recording. Oh yeah. There's no shows tomorrow. Oh yeah. I haven't got like shows to catch up when I get home or like watch on the weekend. And I'm sad about that. I'm not sad about missing any more B block shows. Like the fact that I haven't got to like save up three B block shows from a week and try and cram them in before we press record. Like those days are gone. I'm happy about that. And in general, like we're going to talk the entire weekend and there's definitely positives coming out of it. And I think one half of this G1 was very, very good. Uh, It's just that other half and kind of the way it finished. It just felt a bit underwhelming today. I just kind of think, oh, it's over. Like the, the G1 final and the final weekend is like a big moment in the year isn't it and it just it didn't really feel like it It doesn't feel like a g1 final day today so like it just feels it feels really bittersweet this weekend being over yeah i just i I, you know i definitely like sort of feel the same really i think it's you know last few years you know the finals have been absolutely you know outstanding matches and you know i was looking on the app and going back and like all the way back to like 2014 like every finals had like really strong ratings you know like 4.8 4.7s 4.8 average kind of thing like real real high stuff so obviously you're coming out from watching them and you're absolutely like buzzing and then thinking about okay next steps as you as you go through wrestle kingdom but then i think obviously you've you've got the context of the way that things have been this year anyway and then you know with with obviously events and things probably you know not been as good as they could have been or things been scaled back and things like that and then coming off that final today like it's left me a bit kind of uh, I don't know. I'm like I'm almost like holding on, optimistic for power struggle now to like then be like, okay, power struggle's gonna like do something that kind of puts me on a big high to lead into Wrestle Kingdom. You know, I'm kind of putting all my chips there now. But I mean, based on based on some of the you know stuff that we've seen, probably shouldn't be doing that. But yeah, I don't know. It was. Uh, I think it was. Um, I think it's come to an end uh, at, at, at a at a nice time. I would say, like, say if there had been the way I feel like now, if there had been another week to go or something like that, I think we might have been struggling for uh, for getting a podcast out in a few days' time or something. Yeah, it, it was already going from should we talk about every match to should we talk about the highlights from the week to I reckon next week we'd have been like you know the B block should we just leave it should we just do the A block <laughs> do the Matty Edwards uh, schedule and do it that way. Uh, how are you feeling, Steph, at the end? to this thing if you 
it. You've been, you've been, you're feeling okay. Yeah, you, you, you were watching pretty much all the shows live, weren't you? Yeah, so I work from home, so it was good for actually getting me up in the morning. Um, so I enjoyed that. But I feel kind of, now that it's over, I feel slightly deflated. I feel slightly like Christmas when you're an adult and you're like, oh, is that it? Because you remember the joys of Christmas as a child when you were <laughs> when you were so happy to get so much stuff. And now you're an adult. When you're an adult that doesn't have kids of their own, you're just like, all right, that's it then. Okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like really for me with the final, the problem was Sonata. Sonata is a should be a bridesmaid, never a bride person. He was not ready for this um moment he just he just can't bring it and i know fans absolutely love him i'll never understand it ever but um it did feel a bit deflating and you know when you saw the a block and the and the b block and the members of it in it the a block was so stacked and the b block was kind of much lesser stacked that you do wonder next time should it maybe be a bit more even which might make both days a little bit 50-50, but is that better than having one day that's a total slog and the other day that's really amazing? Yeah. And we've had that happen before, haven't we, JP? Like, we've had those years where... Like, oh, yeah. You know, where, let's say, like, the Bullet Club take over one block and you've got a lot of bad luck Farley, you've got a lot of G.O.D., but I don't know, it just felt more pronounced this year. It did, because there wasn't... Um, because the workers that were in there with them were either people who are either sort of past their prime, dare I say it. Like, I mean, even like Tanahashi did his best, but he's not going to be able to do it for sort of nine consecutive matches. <laughs> Naito started off very well and kind of felt like his matches kind of fizzled out towards the end because that's realistically what he's able to do with his body at this point in time. They put all their eggs into the kind of story aspect of it. And like we say, we've seen Ghetto do this before. And I think that's one of the overall takeaways that I have of the G1. Like, it, there's a lot of kind of conflicting emotions. Like you say, the A block, I enjoyed, and I enjoyed the stories being told in that mm. rather than the heavy-handed storytelling in, in, in kind of block B mm. where everything felt anticlimactic. So, like, with the B block final, you just went, yeah, look, it's all on evil Sonata. It makes sense for Kenta to beat Knight. Look, that is what's happening. It's going to be that because that's the main event and that's the one that needs to matter. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think on the A block final day, I was so kind of surprised by the Osprey stuff that I was kind of like almost the two matches after. I was like, what the fuck? All right, this is interesting because I just didn't see it coming. And it kind of affected how I felt about those two matches because there were different kind of stakes. And I was trying to work out then scenarios of what would happen afterwards. Mm. Um, and it's, yeah, it felt like, They've gone with the winner. They've just wanted Ibushi to kind of have what I'm going to assume is his win at the Dome in order to elevate him to what is that kind of top tier. It's completely deserved. I'm kind of all fine with the winner. And I think from a storyline perspective, it's a hell of a lot more interesting mm. having Ibushi there than even, say, an Akada. Because having Akada in there with Osprey is interesting in and in of itself as a, as a feud um, on the side. So there's things coming out of this I like. But I also think they need to freshen up how they do this tournament. And I'm not talking about mucking around with different blocks and the rest of it, but really think about evening them out. Think of telling different stories. If someone's losing their first three matches, I kind of assume unless they're like really at the bottom pole, all right, okay, they're going to win the next five or six or whatever. 
like it seems like it's kind of inevitable of that once you work out there's always a pattern to all of this mm. and it's not and i think it needs to be broken up so you don't need to have a big upset on the opening weekend and you don't need to always come back to you know like even the final order tells you really what's going to be happening and i think there's some things with it where ghetto could really do with freshening it up but for this year given the circumstances i get the play it safe strategy and having a bushy win is is kind of a solid enough bet isn't it to go for in the future yeah i oh go on Seth. I was just going to say that Ghetto completely fucked me up on the A block final because yeah. because he put Jay's match on last, I was certain he was winning. I texted my mom to say Jay's on last, he's winning. They're not going <laughs> to, you know, I was so annoyed. I was like, well, because I'd heard people theorize, you know, if Okada Osprey's last, Jay's not winning. So when he was last in the running order, I had my bunting set up. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready. <laughs> that, that's it, though. Like, I, I honestly, I think I kind of think the opposite a little bit to that, JP. I think, I think this is the year where he uh-huh. did turn it on its head a little bit with that able, especially that A block last day that we're about to go in in a minute. Because you know, well, we, we would have yeah. expected Osprey. Looking at the looking at the numbers, it would have been like, okay, Osprey Card is going to be the decider. Like, how often is it that you know the big match on the last day is the match that decides everything? And it didn't. And I think, I think that is. We were all expecting it to go one way, and I almost feel like the strength of Friday's show, which is by far the most positive thing we're about to talk about, is the fact that they turned it on its head with that. Then you had kind of the drama of whether, you know, Kota Ibushi was going to win, and then you had the drama of whether Jay White was going to fall at that last hurdle. Um, I get what you mean, because in the B block, like, we just went with, Mm. oh yeah, Evil, Naito, Sonata are probably going to be in the mix, aren't they? And then Evil, Naito, and Sonata are in the mix. Um, But I kind of think, yeah, the, the way they mixed it up on that, a lot last day and the way a lot of pickems were, were were kind of spoiled and uh, not many people you know picked that final um i actually think that was a that was a bit of a, a positive uh, for the tournament this year I don't know what you think Aaron. yeah i mean definitely you know on that last you know, last day like i think we were talking about the other day when we were on on there about you know looking for sort of like small details and looking for like little hints at directions and things like that and you know trying to get a feel for where it was going and you know we talked the other day about you know, surprise at like when a Carter Osprey wasn't going on last when we were recording the other day, and like that sort of made you think, like, oh God, what is going to happen? And it definitely kind of put a bit more intrigue into the into the way that it could could work out. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I think it was just another big tick in the A, a block. That for me was that you had, you know, I think any any time in wrestling that. The, you know, especially these days when you've been watching it for fucking 30 years, that like they can genuinely surprise you or they've genuinely put laid enough red herrings out or something like that, that something happens and you didn't get onto it and you're genuinely shocked by it and it's something that you see as like positive then that's like that's that's amazing like i absolutely love it when that happens because it's it's so few and far between that you that you get something like that and but yeah equally you know we knew what was happening in b block and i suppose you know to some to some degree you could say well you can't have, it can't happen all the time you can't have all that kind of um you can't have that you know, definite ver- variety and different way of thinking across the board completely. You kind of almost need that element of solidity there. And I think probably, again, from a cash point of view, when you see how well the B block sold and obviously the popularity of the LIJ, LIJ storyline in Japan and things like that, 
to be honest, probably laying that one out as blatantly as, yeah, look, you are getting fucking evil Sonata, Naito all the way through to the end, and this is what this is what it's all going to be hinging on in those those last two days. It probably, in, in some ways, it probably helped them be a bit more um, different in the way they approached a block, and you know, you know, look at doing things a bit differently there, and uh, throwing a few. Um, Red herrings and and what have you in there because you had that kind of solidity of booking in the in in the second block. It still didn't make it interesting, but you know <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that's you know, it. you it's know, just if you're watching it the whole way through, obviously that like that really was the exception is that one night hmm. really in terms of like something upsetting and kind like something kind of shocking from the system and changing it around. But up to that point, it felt like it it was we were in traditional G one booking land. You pick them it was making like, a lot t- of sense now, JP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you just follow a pattern. You yeah. say, okay, this is the pattern of what I think will happen. And this is how we get to that place. So I always start from the end. I always start from like who the final is and work backwards. Because hmm. it's just kind of easier to do than go, oh, the shock will happen here or they're wrestling here and they normally do an upset. But this year, but I kind of, I mean, we say this stuff about the B block and it isn't entertaining. They're, they've got to focus on domestic business, haven't they? And they're going to have to focus on like two nights at the dome as well. And LOJ gets them to that place. I, you know, I don't like the Hiromo stuff. I get much more than anyone else in there. And even Naito, I kind of get to a degree, but the Sonata evil stuff, like I'm left kind of cold by them um, at this point. But it, from the business perspective, it's the small thing to do. I don't think like it's, it's any bad decision. It's just, if you're not into it, it's a fucking drag. Mm. It really is a drag. Yeah. Yeah. I do think though, like it's funny that we're giving such an analysis to this because even when the G1 is bad, they've booked something better and more interesting than WWE ever, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, like I don't want to come across as, like, a massive, you know, like, ass-looking, you know, type person, but at the same time, I mean, he did once again draw me into an entire tournament that was run during a pandemic and made me think about things in a way that you don't get with American wrestling at all. I mean, like, even just thinking about, um, you know, people that are only used to WWE trying to do uh, G1 math is hilarious. <laughs> well, there you go. I, I that was just that was just my comment in case Gato's listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know he listens. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, that's where he gets his tip from. It's JP. Uh, <laughs> JP lays out the pickums and uh, and uh, and Gato. He makes a couple of changes and doesn't update me on it. <laughs> after after I told him that time at your call, it he was a cracking booker as well. <laughs> well did he actually man? use the words cracking booker? Yeah, it's a cra- cracking booking, mate. <laughs> as he was walking past, oh was up against the wall. The mo- he looked I- at me strangely. I um, saw Ghetto when I was at the Bullet Club block party. I managed to walk out onto a roof that I totally wasn't allowed to be on, but <laughs> thought like, <laughs> well, it was like on the top level and then there was this room where they were doing meet and greets and then I noticed there was a door that you could go out to the roof and I was like, oh, this would be a good place to smoke. So I went out there and like that's kind of where everyone was and I was sitting and then just in front of me was Ghetto in the like blistering sunshine, just sitting on a chair with his uh, cap on, and I smiled at him, and he gave me a really nice nod, 
like he was, you know, just not enough to sleep. And that was my interaction with Ghetto. <laughs> was, was he having a fag as well? Because I would imagine he would do, no? Uh, no, he wasn't when I saw him. Um, he was more trying to have a sleep, I think, than anything uh-huh. else. <laughs> That was that was his priority. <laughs> I think he just, I think he was just, um, you know, had to come to the party, but spent the whole time on the roof and it's on a chair. <laughs> in his booking mind palace, uh-huh. in this space, yeah. just sort of probably planning out the G one that year, just like he mentally. Was probably doing that, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Sherlock. <laughs> Uh, there you go. He's, he's an older man, though. You know, he's, he's not built for these types of parties. It's like, uh, uh, it's like when we go to Germany, uh, JP, and like all the young guns yeah. are going to the after party, and we're just kind of hanging out, like in the outside room with the older people, having a nice chat. That, that's kind yeah. of that, that's the that's the scenario. I can imagine Ghetto being into, uh, not just partying with the young guns like Steph. Uh, I don't know. Who's, I don't know whose ghetto story's better there. I, I feel like just the way you approach them, JP, I can literally picture that, um, and I'm being completely bemused by you. Uh, it would have been a great JP's is totally better at saying Kraken to Gato. Like, <laughs> so many give the man these. some respect. I would, have, <laughs> I would have been like, oh my gosh, Gato, sir, I'm bowed. <laughs> I am in awe of your amazing booking. <laughs> I, I, I just say to me, do you do it on Excel then? Just like to stop <laughs> quizzing him about the details. That, that's what Gato would like to, to chat to him about. Yeah, you do it on a big like, board, so it looks like a massive conspiracy. Yes. I think if you showed him the back end of Grapple Gareth, he'd be well impressed. Well, there you go. The invitation's there, Gedo. Anytime yeah. you want to pop around to Grapple Towers and chat through the uh, nuances of XL or the uh, G1 2021, just uh, give me a call. There you go. There you go. I mean, we'll talk um, obviously a bit more about Ghetto and uh, the A versus B block later. I mean, as well as on the the round table, as you you've said, we got Plan JP. Um, but shall we start with like the the fun stuff? Let's go through the weekend and let's go through the A block on Friday, because um, yeah, that that was the highlight of my weekend. Uh, sorry, yeah, it was Friday, wasn't it? I'm losing track now. Uh, yeah, I booked the day off as work as well, Gareth. I made sure of that. I was like, I'm gonna watch this one live. I'm gonna do it. it wasn't quite as exciting as uh, as watching the B block and the final live, but it was well worth it with uh, with our mate uh, Ghetto taking us through this uh, this roller coaster of a ride. Um, it, it was weird because it's like, and I'm sure you can you know tell us from a stats point of view on on grapple as far as matches go for for like for final days. But like, I don't think it was like I don't think we, I think we were missing. A big blow away match. I don't think, you know, mm. we're talking that there was like a five star match on the final day for for a block or anything really near. But I think what we actually got was just it was just it was a roller coaster following it along live. And you know, first two matches, you know, Yujiro and Jeff Cobb and Shingo and uh, Suzuki were fine. You know, Shingo Suzuki was a was a good version of their match. Maybe not a a great version of their match, but for me i was completely into the drama of the day it wasn't so much about like the match quality like you give me you know that osprey angle with okada which i'll be honest didn't see coming um and you there uh, you you know he was doing the heel mannerisms and stuff and doing like mini kenny omega throughout the tournament and you know i hadn't quite listened to the voices of wrestling podcast i wish i had because they kind of laid out well and gone why, why did Osprey lose to Jeff Cobb? Why is he not in the running if he's facing Okada on the last day? Uh, he's got to win, was kind of the, the way they, uh, they they put it together. And they, they got some other things wrong with their predictions, but they got that bit right. But I don't think many other people did. Uh, like, I certainly, at least not that way, uh, didn't see that coming. Um, so it was kind of like, yeah, that, that day, the emotion of that, the uniqueness of that Kota Ibushi-Taichi uh, match, and then, like I say, the... the 
all the stakes were there for, for Ishii and Jay White to, to give you a lot of drama and Ishii getting to play spoiler on the last day. Um, great moment for him as well to kind of get to win in the main event of a, an A block day. Um, yeah, like I say, I think from a from a star rating point through Gareth, it's like it's not, you know, I'm not, I don't think I went over four for any of those matches, but it was just from a drama point of view, just just a great day. Uh, and it really felt like the, uh, the G1 on that last day. Yeah, definitely. And like, I mean, you say that about the, the matches and the star ratings, but I mean, those, you know, the, those three matches, the last three, they're all averaging over four stars on the app, you know, oh, okay. and, you know, the, the, the JY Ishii one is going in as high as like 4.35, you know, as well average, which is, you know, is, um, you know, one of the one of the better performers uh, again this year on on average. So you know, compared to other days, you know, it did actually as well as the drama. It definitely like held up from an in ring point of view, really. You know, or certainly comparatively with with what we've seen with the the other stuff. But I mean, you know, I'm I'm with you. I mean, the matches were were good, but it was it was it was all absolutely about that that drama. And then you know, I sort of referenced it previously. I think when the you know when B Priestley came out and you just suddenly like what what's going on here? This is so like abnormal that. She She's suddenly there, kind of thing. And where's this? Where's this going? I think when we recorded the other day, I'd like made that point about I've had Osprey toning back the heel tendencies. I'd said like I, I think I said over them three matches, two of them were against heels, and he he toned it back. But then there was the match against Cobb, and I was like, mm, I thought he'd have been doing a bit more of that heelish tendencies mm. that, against Cobb because he's not a heel, but he didn't kind of thing. And again, I, I think uh, that just sort of. I think the fact that I'd had that in my head, I think that sort of almost like added to it to me that it started this tournament by doing this arrogant heel thing and then it sort of like disappeared over the tournament. So it just made me think, oh yeah, they've just fucked that off kind of thing or he was overplaying that too much. So it's like tone it down or whatever. And then so then for it, then for it to come there, it almost felt like huge, like red heron kind of got you thinking one thing, got you thinking totally another way. Oh no, that can't be right kind of thing. And then like wham, hitting you with it at, at the end was just, just absolutely, absolutely brilliant. And then, um, yeah, I think when, um, when suddenly like the camera turned and you first saw like the great Okan stood there, <laughs> I was just like, because I, I, it took me on this roller coaster where I was really enjoying the match. And then the B Priestley stuff came in, and I was a bit like, oh, "No, I'm not sure about this kind of thing." And then, and then the camera went on Great O'Car, and I was just like down, and then just like up immediately, and I was just like laughing at the ridiculousness of that, but equally enjoying it, like in sort of equal measure as well. And it was, it was so, uh, it was, it was sort of such a bit of bizarre feeling at that point. But the way it was then executed from that point onwards, I thought was was absolutely cracking, and it just totally just left me at the end thinking yes I'm, I'm 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 well on board with this i'm i'm, I'm excited to see where this goes mm. what was uh what was your reaction live at the time steph uh to osprey's match mm. uh i did like who would have expected the great okan to make his debut during that um i thought it was awesome because i didn't expect it at all when b came out i did think that she was going to do a kind of a like brandy road style you know just given her man some support and then um it all flipped and it was just really cool because i didn't expect it and i think that uh b like after watching today it looks like she's sticking around and i think that's really cool actually because um b is a strong woman and we haven't seen that kind of portrayed in new japan for a long time um women that aren't just you know she's not going to be window dressing 
she's probably going to punch some guy in the face or something, you know, at some point. And I think that's just a really cool um, element to add in, into the mix there. And, yeah, I, I didn't see Osprey's heel turn coming, like, that strong, where he actually has lined up with uh, Grid Khan. Not quite sure about the uh, stable name, if they are called the Empire, but anyway. <laughs> it kind of works, but, you know, you've got British Empire, you've got, you know... <laughs> Great Khan, kind of like you can see him running an empire, the whole Genghis Khan thing. It could work. Yeah, it kind of works. I hope um, uh, all the British wrestling fans go and look up the British Empire now after this and, <laughs> <laughs> and get a fucking history lesson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> JP can tell us about that. Don't hey, want to might, start might, Irish. <laughs> if they're a bit dense, they might look up the British Empire instead and end up with I that did sitcom. like that show. I did like that show. Say the gym. Yeah, and he was the manager. Like a spa type gym thing. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was one of the little uh, comedies I used to watch as a kid. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, great old can for a little moment in the spotlight there in the G1. Uh... <laughs> From the cockpit of the G1, JP. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'll be my trajectory. <laughs> I've got a picture. I, I, I remember having a picture with him uh, taken at the time and asking him about Kitamiya, where he was. And he told me he had no heart. He didn't want to come back. And I went, yeah, I've seen his Instagram. He's just all about bodybuilding and boobs, basically. <laughs> where it is where his head was. Certainly wouldn't have been out on fucking excursion in Portsmouth, wouldn't he? Um, I was like, the overall angle itself was like, you, I kind of thought, okay, we, we know he's going to be turning heel, but it's how they do it really feels like the important bit here. It's how they do it. Does it have that kind of shock factor? And it had all of this stuff. And because it had got to get, you'd heard my reaction. I mean, I was reacting like it was a football match mm. because it was just like, oh, I'd bet on a football match. And he just come on and ruined it. Um, I don't know, like an Arsenal centre-half would do from three, four years ago. Just balls it up and kick it into their own net, Mustafi. Um, but here, it, it didn't just didn't see it coming. But there's so many good things out of it because it gives a card of something really interesting to do without the title. And I think that's like a massive thing as well. Like I imagine we'll have him against great O'Khan at, um, power struggle. He'll beat him and then build. Yeah. A build to the dome, but I'm fine with that. And that'll be the interesting thing is about power struggle. We talk about the interest of this stuff going into it that I'm interested in. Hmm. There's other stuff I'm not as interested in, obviously, but in terms of that, I'm just curious to see how he would have come across having seen loads of his matches when he was in the UK and, and especially for rev pro, um, I think it was, I completely agree about like the way they brought in like B Priestley is different from how they've used women previously, um, which has been terrible at best. Well, you mentioned before, really? I the camera up the arse. That's basically, yeah. that was the other uh, style, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was, but it also makes sense from a business perspective because it's cross promoting stardom, which is a Bushy Road property. Now they're not going to go down a route of agenda. I kind of hope not. Or so, uh, by that, I mean like mixed tag matches and stuff like that. No, but would it be surprising if, if at some big show at the Dome, if my Iwatami came out as like a fucking equaliser to take out B Priestley, would there be any kind of reaction to it? I mean, that's all very ifs, buts and maybes. But for them, from a business perspective, it makes complete sense. I'd also like to see Shota Umino join the group because I think that as a heel turn, there's actually an emotional factor to kind of do with red shoes as well. 
And I think that would be like kind of add a bit lot of immediate interest. And it became very clear to me. It's like, oh, they're going to be going like next G1. He's going to be there in the last night. Like the way this is, they've got big plans. This is the big Gaijin heel couple that they want. And it's across two promotions that are theirs. They use New Japan to publicize B Priestley, which then possibly leads them to stardom. And then they'll, you know, and I imagine them working it. So the whole thing for me, um, it, it really worked. Mm. And yeah, and it, it completely threw me then on the other two matches, which I probably enjoyed yeah. more because I had to think about them in a way that, yeah. you know, I wouldn't have done beforehand. Yeah, that's it. I think, I think um, Okada, like the storyline that we saw with him in the G1 where he was having this, you know, like crisis or whatever of like using this money clip is now kind of so interesting for him now to be up against a heel that is someone that he kind of made because they were pushing the storyline of Okada being the one that brought Osprey in and then Osprey kind of deciding like no you actually held me back I think that's really interesting and um, Meltzer was saying today that apparently the angle was a lot to do with Jericho which is uh, another another bonus there (laughs) I wonder who told him that <laughs> yeah, he's not very good Straight at hiding. Straight from Ghetto's stuff. mouth, wasn't it? I was just listening, going, "Oh yes, genius." <laughs> he's worse than me at hiding where I get my fight access from. Um, but yeah, he's uh, <laughs> yeah. He mentioned as well, like Jeff Cobb was supposed to be the guy, was supposed to be the heater. Yeah, uh, that was the idea. Um, to which I him. said, "Fuck that." I could still. I tell you what, though, if you'd have told me two years ago when we were at Altrincham Ice Rink and Oka came out, came out dressed as the great Okan, <laughs> that if in two years' time he was going to be playing with that character a fundamental role leading into Wrestle Kingdom, like, Crazy, Jesus yeah. Christ, like, I'd, I, you know, I'd never believed it for a second, but, yeah. like, God, that feels like a million years ago now when you're, like, yeah. think, thinking about that. It's crazy. What I thought was great was uh, on the commentary today during Osprey's match, um, they were talking about how great um, Gideon Gray is. I was like, yeah, yeah. fucking bring Gideon Gray in as well. You know, he's he's fantastic. I'm not biased, but, you know, yeah, bring Gideon Gray to the Tokyo Dome, please. You can take the pins in the six mans. You need, you need someone like that, you know. Uh, yeah, that, I think my, my only negative with this stable is that we've got too many of them right now and it's like not stables i mean like helix with like a heater on the outside and if you know great okan turns into osprey's ghetto like i mean it, it can work but it might be one too many uh, that's my only worry and, and i do worry like wonder like how how they fill this stable up because if osprey is going to be the league guy they're probably not going to... It's not probably not going to be, like, they're going to bring in, you know, a big name. It's not like Sonata was going to turn and join him. It's going to be people that are going to have to slot in at a level below Osprey, too. So I think it's really interesting going forward, like, how the, how they fill this in, how they make it different from, you know, an LIJ to a Suzuki Gun to a Bullet Club, um, what they do that, that makes it stand out from, you know, a lot of the negatives of this G1, you know, are Osprey's matches going to be five minutes of Great Okan in there rolling around with red shoes? Like, hopefully not. Hopefully we get a different kind of heel act. But that is my one worry because, you know, this match was, you know, I gave it four stars. Um, I enjoyed it. I feel like I enjoyed the angle more than I did the match. And I'm hyped for Osprey Okada in the Dome. I just want to see Osprey Okada in the Dome without, you know, whoever 
Osprey's minions are kind of rolling in there and killing the tempo of the match for 10 minutes. I just kind of hope they go like a different route with this one. I think that um, rather than him being his ghetto, he's going to be like when Devitt had Fale. Like, I, I can imagine more like that kind of thing, that he's more almost like um, a kind of a bodyguard than a annoying interfering manager mm. you know what i mean like hopefully they go that route because i don't think they can now that you've got dick togo with eva i don't think we can have another another one of those uh combos mr hughes <laughs> <There you go. laughs> yes yes that'll be a better look for him as well in the tea towel i'll take that <laughs> uh, out of interest what did we all go on the match from a star rating point of view i gave it four I went 4.25. I was really enjoying it. Although the kind of angle ends up kind of killing it. But at the same time, that might have been including the angle into the mix Mm. that I, that I really did enjoy it. Mm. I went 3.75. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I wasn't brave enough for a four. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they were, they were building a great match. It's just, you know, that was kind of sacrifice for the angle, but I think if the angle works as well as this did, then that's fine. I think, um, it's just, yeah, I would rather it be the exception rather than the rule. Uh, it's kind of my point of view. But, yeah, I do feel like that match really set us on, like, a, a great path for that second half of uh, of this show because, you know, while that was kind of our our big angle, uh, we then went straight into Kota Ibuchi and Taishi. And, you know, we've got to mention it because, like, this, this feels like such a divisive match. Like, it, I still don't know if it was good or not. It... But it was different, and I think that's really what I appreciated about like this, this second half of this show. Uh, you know, how many? It's more than a hundred matches we've been watching this G one so far that we've all seen a lot of that B block. You know, I've, I'll take something different, and the two lads trying to kick each other's head off is is different enough for me. Um, I gave it three point seven five on grapple. I think probably explains that I liked it, but I. Not entirely sure how much I saw WH Park describe it as indulgence, which I do get to a point. Um, but yeah, it, it, again, difference is the key word for me, and yeah, I did like it. Uh, how's it doing on Grapple Gareth? Yeah, it's it's doing like um, well, you know, it's it's averaging out at like four point oh three, so it's like right. pretty much like bang on bang on the four. And but you know, I think it was definitely like divisive when I was sat there looking at putting my own rating in and I was looking at the feed, you know, there was, there was people giving it fives and in the same measure, there was people giving it threes or, or less and things like that. And, you know, I was, I was probably in that band really where I was thinking like, I really, really enjoyed that. And like, I was kind of half tempted to almost go like four and a half or something because I, because I really enjoyed it. I ended up landing on four on the basis that I was thinking like, is this a match that I could see myself in watching again in 12 months time and then watching it again in another 12 months time and things like that. I think it was very much one of those matches that was like, it was of the moment and you might watch it once and you might watch it again, like in, you know, once again in the future or something like that, but it's not going to be one of those matches that you're going to keep coming back to as you know, over the years or something, you know, I think, I think it was more for that kind of individualism of it standing out and being totally unique and totally different. But, you know, I think different, is good but different isn't always good you know sometimes people can try and do something that's that's a bit different and it just doesn't work whereas i think in contrast this is something that was different that did work it really worked they told a great story the way that they did it um you know i think being able to just have you kind of like compellingly engaged in that match for that length of time and okay yeah it was a bit indulgent and things but you know i think the the way it had them both 
you know, building and again, like going, you know, I think the way they both sold and they're like facials and things like that. And then the fact that neither was like diverting away from it once the match had got into that territory kind of thing, just again, it just really, it just really worked, I I, I think. And, you know, I, again, it just, I think coming off the back of the Osprey thing being so different for this then to be something that was totally different and unique again on the back of it, it just really made you sit up and, and, and you know, take take notice in, in the way that's positive because, you know, I've mentioned it before is like sometimes I think when something really good happens on a show and it doesn't happen at the end in some ways it can kind of like take you out of the next match a little bit because you're still on that high from the previous match or you're still thinking about what's happened in that previous one whereas this one it pretty quickly got me into this story that they were telling here with the kicks which are which I think really really worked and and again and don't like hark back to our last recording too which but I was just thinking again about how on our last recording I was talking about um, how like versatile Ibushi is and how he can have these like different style of matches with different people as opposed to having that Ibushi style match and then I was watching this I was thinking yeah yeah quite clearly I was meaning yeah yeah he's going to go out and have a match with 150 kicks with uh, with with somebody to demonstrate his versatility obviously I was thinking something like that but um, you know again I just think it really just emphasised that point that he can he can have that in your face war with like a Suzuki, or he can then go and do something totally unique like this. He can do his comedy in DDT. He can do a high flying match, you know, if he's in with the right opponent as well. And and again, I just think that sort of like diversity and versatility that he can bring and still be excellent in doing it is absolutely class. And it sort of made me, I was made up for him winning today, basically on the on the back of that as well. Thinking, yeah, it's well earned because you've, uh, you've you've really put a shift in this last uh, last month or so. Uh, were you moved by this one, Steph? What do you give it on Graffin? Um, I can't see what I gave it, but for sure, Ibushi is definitely versed with uh, what he can do. But um, I thought this match was really great. Would I watch it again? Probably not. But mm. I commend the bravery of doing a match like this, doing something different. I, I always commend bravery. And... Um, the other thing I just want to commend is Tai Chi in this tournament has been so fucking good. And um, he just like, you know, his, his character is one of those things that I think you can only get into if you're like a proper New Japan fan. You can like, that's the only way you can take like that character seriously. Like, I absolutely love it. But this tournament, he's shown like what a good an actually good wrestler that he is. And then having his final match with Koda and deciding to do something different was just um, really cool to me. And it then ended up playing into Koda in the final. And Koda just to me seems like someone who just loves wrestling so much that I think Koda probably thinks that every match that he has is a five-star match, but in like a non-arrogant way, because I feel like he probably sits beforehand and thinks like, what sort of match can I have with Tai Chi? That will be cool. What kind of match can I have with Sonata? That will be cool. That will make me happy. And um, yeah, I just, I, I would probably give it like maybe a 3.25 around that kind of mark, which is probably maybe like a little low, but 100% like, just think it was great for them to just go out there and do something really fucking different and actually make people get really invested in it. JP? Yeah. I went, I went, actually went four stars and I kind of, I, I, agree, I agree a lot of it, but I watched it again um, this afternoon. Um, I watched it twice. I'll, I watched this entire show I'll, twice. Like, I'm not watching anything else from this weekend twice, but yeah, I watched yeah. this twice. 
I did. I watched all of these again today. And I really, I enjoyed it, but it also helped me get the idea of the wrestling god character of Kota Ibushi that he was on about. Mm. The idea that he's going to, he's better than everybody else and he could, at wrestling their matches. Mm. And that's kind of what this is. And the stuff about him doing a kicking match, even though it makes no sense to do it, is very Kota Ibushi because it's just a completely different way of looking at things. And I think that's the thing that they're always trying to kind of promote with it. So it felt like maybe for me on a kind of character level, I kind of kind of got it. Mm. And the thing, like the idea of him doing something daft is very Kota Ibushi because he's like that. I think the only thing I've never seen him do is a death match at this point. And he'd probably be fucking awesome at that. Let's face <laughs> it at this stage. Like he is so like well-rounded and versatile, but it kind of made sense of that's what a wrestling God would be able to do wrestle anybody at their match and then win mm. and it was kind of like a, you know it was like a throwaway comment but it kind of seemed to kind of mean something and I think when watching this match and seeing the idea of him taking on this kind of quite ludicrous battle in some ways with someone who could potentially beat him by doing that at a really kind of crucial match rather than kind of go for the, a lot of the other stuff he would have gone for um, and yeah and so as a result I, I sort of really enjoyed it um and it was different and i enjoyed it because i'm kind of invested in tai chi as well and it was enjoyable because of the context of it the result meant something and so yeah i like overall i think you know tai chi comes out of this g1 series looking very good mm. um hopefully that means if it you know they booked him and zach pretty strong so it makes you wonder whether or not the, like the investment around tag league what that would be like and about maybe God forbid they try and do something, you know, interesting with the tags, i.e. no Gorillas of Destiny. Oi, that's harsh. <laughs> the theme music are like, oh, come on. Look, some of us have got a big trip to Greg, so, you know. The theme is fucking awesome. I have that on my iPod. Come on. Both, both <laughs> the theme things. is awesome. Yeah, I've got it's it on. the sense um, of dread when they come out. As well. That's the thing, isn't it, JP? The music's good. It's what the music means is the, is the issue. When one of the brothers goes in there, I'm like, oh, Christ, not him. <laughs> like, I really am like that when I see Tongaloa. Um, Whoa. Can I, um, like, just ruin the podcast by going backwards and making a comment on Minoru Suzuki and Chingo? Sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just want to say that I really enjoyed that match. And the story in my head is that Minoru Suzuki is Shingo's real dad. And that, <laughs> and that basically, like, the match was, like, he was, like, an absentee dad coming back and saying, like, no, I'm not going to teach you how to ride a bike. I'm not going to teach you how to play football. I'm going to teach you how to fucking headbutt. And then in the end, uh, <laughs> Shingo fucking headbutted him better and it was great and i can see shingo being like the future minor suki that when shingo is 50 it's like the same thing he's still going in the g1 we're still waiting for him to get his real moment in the sun and that we know that he's like the true hard man great of new japan and i just like the story they're telling between those two um with the never belt and yeah in my head Minoru Suzuki is the real father of Shingo. I'll tell you what, I wish you'd told Gato this when you were up on the roof with him instead of just giving him a little smile. Yeah. Be, uh, we're well up for a bit of this. See, I always I am, I am, I am your father. <laughs> yes. While headbutting him, Shingo, I'm your dad. All I've got in my mind is Homer Simpson when he goes that big brother's place. And he starts to look off that kid Pepe, who he calls Pepsi. By accident. 
<laughs> and the fight he has in that. It's <laughs> a great episode. Uh, see, I always, th- I always thought Shingo's dad was Tomohiro Ishii because I kind of just thought that's going to be his trajectory. He's going to, you know, when Ishii's done and he's actually dead and his neck falls off, I feel like that's when Shingo steps in and becomes the, no- the new Ishii now. Maybe he's got two dads, my two dads. No, Shingo is a proper... Very different from my two dads. <laughs> I used to watch that show as well. That was a great show oh, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, Shingo is a proper fucking hard man and uh, Minoru, he will be the next Minoru Suzuki. I think Shingo loves a bit of pain as well and th- through headbutts, Minoru Suzuki is putting into him that sadistic thing of just loving the pain that will continue on. <laughs> Head- headbutts with love. <laughs> Sorry. Paul Dodd, who we mentioned on the previous <laughs> podcast, he probably believed in that a lot as well. Didn't he? <laughs> Sorry for that random segue into making up any standard style storyline between Shingo and Suzuki, but I think it has to be done. You're on the right <laughs> podcast for <that he> said <laughs> like like storylines. It's all like good here. When Phil's trying to like put a bit of hard man in Ben, you know, and that worked. <laughs> An awful prick that Ben though. He has none of the charisma of Phil. No, the new Not the new Ben of Sanders is the hottest guy on British TV. Oh wow! Uh, I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> I'm not watching enough of the old Ben. He looked the state. He's a little weird one, the old lad. Yeah, he was a yeah. But the new guy that they've cast, he's like so hot. I cried during the episode at Christmas when him and Callum split up because it was just like the absolute hottest thing on TV. Anyway, that was another segue. Sorry, I bet you're glad you invited me now. <laughs> that, was, that's, that whole segment was just dedicated to Joe. R.I.P. It is. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> well, where we were going to go. We are going to go. Yeah, there is, a, there is a combo there. You know, Shingo's what I think is real dad. And I think that when they do the DNA test, it will turn out it's actually Tomohiro Ishii and not Minoru Suzuki. Another layer there. Another layer of story you can do there. Um, he was in the main event. Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Ishii, Shingo and Suzuki. I'm Jeremy Kyle fighting over paternity would be pretty epic. I'd love to see the woman that has had both Suzuki and Ishii. <laughs> <laughs> Should be some woman <laughs> surviving that, Jesus. Um, just imagine Kyle getting in Suzuki's face, acting oh, prick he like would. he normally would do, he and would. Suzuki just bursting through security. Because <laughs> you're a wrestler, you can't do a move, and he's just thinking, oh, fucking crate pancreas, motherfucker. I'm gonna rip you limb from limb, you shit eating demon. <laughs> a terrible television program that just ruined people's lives. Yeah, like Ishii, yeah. It was in the main event. Uh, I was going to go to you next anyway, Steph. So I feel like we're talking this main event. We should just let you break it down and just your emotions yeah. going through it. Uh, Ishii and Jay White, like watching this one live, 100% convinced Jay White was going over. Um, we did talk last week about, you know, there could be the banana peel with uh, with Jay White and that would fit well with his character. Maybe we'll get the, the ghetto turn. We kind of didn't get... We got a, maybe a hint of that, you know, the, the ghetto interference kind of going wrong and getting really, really desperate um, towards the end. But instead, we kind of had uh, Jay White just slipping on the banana peel. That is the Ishii. He came, he kicked his ass, he left. Didn't even cut the promo after the match. You know, to Ishii, it was just another match and another win. Um, but yeah, that's the story they told there with uh, with Jay White's tournament in Tatters. Uh, have you quite recovered, Jeff, from uh, from that emotional experience? No. 
<laughs> I was so convinced he was going to win me in that fucking main event. Like, <laughs> I was so, so ready. But um, what I was really excited for this match, because last year they had a really great, like, kind of mini feud that was just Jay calling Ishii a chubby little pit bull, which um, <laughs> is something that myself and my mother quote to each other all the time. Like, when I told her Ishii was his final opponent, her actual response was, is that the chubby little pit bull? <laughs> like, True, yeah. to be fair. No, actually, it was Chubby Little French Bulldog, which is even worse. Um, but I thought Jay was an absolutely great heel in this match. He was like the annoying um, friend in a bar that picks a fight with a guy that you just really should be scared of, but he's not. And <laughs> the best bit was definitely Jay basically smacking Ishii on the ass and saying, wake up, little puppy. <laughs> <laughs> that was tremendous. But um, I think Jay, he did he did really well in this match because they're such different characters because Jay is that Marthy guy and Ishii is just totally stoic, just there and like just taking all this shit from Jay and... Um, then just getting him at the end and it just seemed like it just seemed like Jay really had his number um, and then it just didn't work out for him and at the end I actually thought he was going to cry because I was going to cry as well <laughs> wow. I really thought it was going to happen I mean I think a lot of it was Gato's fault fuck Gato I mean, the, the, I mean at Gato the character not Gato the man who I um, absolutely worship like my actual god but you know Gato the character fuck him um, but there is you know what at the end of the day when you're talking about a storyline perspe- like, perspective I thought that the final would be uh, Jay and Evil to get that Bullet Club thing but then at the same time I thought that's going to be a shit G1 main event because Evil um, not because of Jay because Evil and I think they're just they're telling an interesting story with Jay like this guy's definitely turning face and definitely realizing that all these people he used to hang around with might not be as loyal as he thought he, they were especially Gato um, I think there's something in that I mean, on commentary, was it Kevin Kelly said something like, who, I mean, who was it that gave evil Dick Togo's number? Probably Gato. Mm-hmm. I'm suspicious of that man completely. But it was a really good match, and I think it really capped off a great G1 tournament for Jay, who is the actual real winner of it because he's completely transformed everyone's opinion of him we're close to wh park we'll push him over the edge after wrestle kingdom but as far as <laughs> you lads are concerned he really has because what i've been trying to say the whole freaking time is he is such a great character and i think in this tournament he's really got to show it so at the end of the day he might not have actually won it but he's a real winner and he did get that little bit uh at the end today which we'll talk about later yeah, I think it. I think it's uh, WH Park and Andy Ogden who are the uh, the two biggest holdouts still for a. Uh, I didn't know about Andy Ogden, but yeah. if he wants to, if he wants to challenge me and have a conversation, we'll get him converted quickly too. We, I was talking about it with him yesterday. Mm. I can remember that it was early doors. We were about the G one. He just went. I, I don't get him. I, I won't do his accent. <laughs> 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 
That's old game. I can't do it. <laughs> it sounded Irish. It did. That did sound Irish. Are you sure you weren't doing it's me? Like, it's like, you're right, you're right, Andy. Seems to have had a stroke, mate, with your accent. Anyway, we let that go. But we did talk about it, Jay. What he just... It's just not a character he he gets. Yeah, sure. And it's just something that just appeals to him. But before, sorry, uh, but with his character before this G1, for the people that weren't as invested as I was, because I was so invested that I was watching every promo like 10, 20 times, getting it. It's like before he was, people seemed to see him as like this, almost, I know people say like school shooter or whatever, but like angsty teen for no reason but now he like came into this g1 tournament and there's kind of an actual reason behind his frustration because he's someone that was away and then fucking evil of all people shows up to like not only join your faction but win the title even for a brief period and i think now as well as the fact that I think that his kind of character work has, I don't want to say improved because that makes it sound like it was kind of bad before because it wasn't, it was a star before, but I think it's more like wider accepted his character work. I also think that without the fans cheering, like you're all hearing what he says in the ring more, which I think really helps because like last year's G1, there would be so many things he'd say that I would think were either really funny or really fantastic that no one else would pick up on. Um, and this might just be because, like, um, as I keep saying, like, my mom is the other big Jay White fan, but you and my mom will never forget, like, when Jay faced Tai Chi last year in the G1, and Jay told the referee, get those two fuckheads out of the ring, referring to Mio Abe, and um, I forget who else was with them, but, like, little things like that, like, he's done so well with kind of vocalizing more in the ring, like, playing off the crowd and stuff like that, and um, I think it's just kind of warm people to him more. And I think now um, we are looking at a face turn and it's been given an actual story. And I think he's also been helped by the fact that as much as I personally like evil, not as a wrestler, but as an overall character slash sexy goth king, um, people dislike evil so much that it's given Jay that little bit of a boost. Sorry, round over. <laughs> <laughs> Feel strongly, everyone. I will say with evil, it does make me long for 2018, Jay White. It really does. Like, yeah. I look back on that as the golden age. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, I would say, like, I, I don't know, me and JP have definitely changed our tune. Like, I think, you know, we were very negative on Jay White last year. And, you know, it's all the things you just mentioned there, stuff that, you know, have, have turned us round a little bit. I think that, personally, I feel like, you know, the bits between the, the the shtick has gotten better. I feel like his matches have been better this year. I felt like he's coming to the G1 particularly energised as well. And I do think things have, uh, have clicked from where they were. But I don't know. I mean, Gareth, you kind of get lumped in with us too. But, you know, you weren't on the podcast with us last year slagging him off. So you kind of got a, a, a clean slate here on the uh, on the Jay White stuff. Is it, has he turned you around uh, like everybody else? Because, you know, if you weren't convinced already by Jay White, I do feel like this Ishii match would be the one to turn people around. Uh, um, but you know, is your mind been entirely changed, or were you always this way? Nah, I mean, I think I, I probably would. You know, I'd have been listening to you talking last year and not been as extreme like negativity in the way that 
I was going to say you guys, but again, you sort of all get lumped in with Joe a bit, really, don't you? I think Joe was obviously the uh, extreme negative one, whereas you were probably sort of like leaning that way from the centre kind of thing. But yeah. I was probably very sort of like centre on him, really. I didn't. I, I wouldn't say I hated him. I wouldn't say I liked him. I was more just kind of like he just didn't click with me necessarily. I just like I, you know. I could kind of almost like see what he was trying to do, mm. but I didn't think he was awful at it, and I didn't think he was particularly great at it either, kind of thing. And I think this tournament's just, uh, you know, just been that sort of like coming out party, really. I think, I think the way I'd like think of it, it's almost like the boy became a man almost in this tournament, really, in that, you know, like he he had elements of his character there that he was previously trying to do that I don't think. I wasn't fully buying into or fully invested into, into, but I just think that he's from an experience point of view, from a turning up the dial in certain areas, from just doing things a bit differently that made him look a bit more credible. Um, I think it's just sort of got me on board with him a little bit more and being able to, you know, sort of see and emphasize those positive traits that he's, you know, he's been, he's been trying to demonstrate. And, and like, we joked about it before, but I really do think like little things like that beard and things like that. I think the physical change in him, I, I actually think of physically as well, like from his, his stature, you know, he's clearly been like hammering the, hammering the gym, hammering the weights and things like that while he's been off. Like, okay, he's not like a massive bloke, but mm. previously he looked a bit like, you know, no, he was obviously he wasn't in bad shape, but he, he looked a bit scrawnier kind of thing. So he was kind of this like scrawnier baby faced guy that he didn't quite buy really. Whereas I think now that he looks like somebody who actually, yeah, you know, if he wanted to, this guy probably would like fuck me up in a pub or something like that <laughs> if he wanted to or something like that. And I think that the beard just adds a bit of like a sort of a sinisterness to him a bit more that, um, that he did again, he didn't really. I don't think he had previously. Again, he just looked like some kind of, you know, yeah. For me, it was almost like it was like an eighteen-year-old in a school play playing a bad, uh, like who's got the part as like an older villain or something like that. And he didn't, and like they can maybe do it and convey it a little bit, but they can't make it entirely convincing. And I think he's just gradually becoming more convincing with it. And you know, I've said in previous weeks, I think there's just very sort of like small details to the way he's done it, things that he said, just little things that he's doing in the ring, just like little, little, just horrible things. I don't, you know, just the you know just little things like putting your elbow on someone's face when you're pinning them and things like that. you know just those little mm. small little things that mm. just they just add that like one percent or that half a percent to someone's performance kind of thing that just makes them makes them a bit more credible in the role and i think that's where he's in, in, improved for me to the extent that where people are now talking about this jay white face turn like i strongly don't want this jay white face Same. turn it just does not feel the right time for me i feel like why turn him face now when he's he's just clicking and he's like his, his heel work's amazing and obviously Osprey's gone the other way so you know there's going to need they're going to need to balance things out because you can't have too many heels. Mm. I think it's just really really disappointing really that if then now he's got himself to this level if then it's then just like flipped the other way and suddenly he's got to go out and be like good guy Jay that we're supposed to get behind. I want to enjoy hating him for. A, a, a lot a longer while because i think he's been that good in the in the heel role i think um jay like to me as a person he seems like someone i almost see him as like a actor rather than it's hard to explain but if you take someone like kenny omega who's obviously someone that like just loves wrestling and can get like a little bit too much if you know what i mean with um like the characters 
like mm. it's like someone like Kenny is kind of like almost too invested in wrestling, if you know what I mean. And Jay, to me, is a kind of a more like take it or leave it type person that's like an actor playing a role. I don't know if you've ever like um, if you've ever met him. He's like a really laid back guy that doesn't seem that too much invested in wrestling in a way that kind of works to his advantage mm. that I think is absolutely going to work to his advantage going forward where I see him more as someone um, that is not going to get kind of too caught up in things and is kind of more going to be, yeah, almost like an actor playing a role rather than someone like <laughs> Kenny that can take it too far mm-hmm. sometimes. I'm not sure that I explained that right, but honestly, if you've ever met the guy and tried to talk to him about wrestling, it does not work. <laughs> he, he, I think he's someone that's kind of not like fallen into it, but this, uh, I think this stuff kind of doesn't, the actual wrestling being a wrestling character doesn't mean as much to him as it does to other people. And that's an advantage in a way. Yeah, and I think it, that can be a negative too because you look at like I, mm-hmm. I see someone like Juice Robinson is the opposite of that. He doesn't seem invested, and then when he gets in the ring, he just doesn't seem that bothered either. Like you know, outside his life, Juice Robinson never thinks about wrestling. He's not on Twitter, like scroll, vanity searching for his name. He comes in, he does a job, he goes home, and that's one of the reasons why I don't get it so invested in Juice Robinson. And with Jay White, I think the negative of that maybe that attitude if that is the case is maybe early on i felt like he was playing a role and it was obvious he was playing a role and it didn't feel suited to him whereas now i think he's grown into it a lot more but it's a role that was handed to him Mm -hmm. in a way like by ghetto because if you watch his kind of stuff before like when he was in ring of honor and his little like white trunks with a feather on them you know he was more kind of this like happy I'm from New Zealand baby face. And then, yeah, and then Ghetto had to him, like, this darker role. And I think he did the best with it that he could. But now he's grown into it in a way where like, he's a naturally very funny guy, I think. Um, a lot of the stuff he says in promos, especially if you're watching all the backstage stuff, like, he's a naturally funny guy. And he's found a way to make that work, um, to make him, like, an all-round better wrestler. And he's a good technical wrestler as well um i think he's also in this tournament like the thing i used to hear about him the most was that his matches were boring and i didn't agree with that but in this tournament i think he's definitely showed more versatility as well and and having better matches yeah i think i was gonna say i think he's been a lot more dynamic Mm. when it comes to when he's being aggressive and he's working and even it's like there's just a bit more added dynamism to when he's being doing the chicken shit, which it, it's like the tactics that are used by him. And I mean this in the kind of kayfabe sense are all things that make sense and play to his strengths. So it's winding them up at the beginning. It's taking advantage of that. Then it's working that body part. Then it's like, and I think the whole thing character wise is kind of built into the idea of ghetto constantly fucking it up for it. Like, yeah. like it's getting to that point where like, he's a detriment and is the thing that's holding him back. Mm-hmm. And it's what they do with the character afterwards. I kind of agree. Like I wouldn't, if he went into just becoming a standard baby face, I'd hate it. If he was just like in a tweener role, I think it'd be kind of perfect for that. But that, and, and, and that would actually stay true to the character. And it, it would seem like rather than going kind of any overt way with that, but 
I think his his work has improved. And and again, just to mention, we've not really mentioned Ishii. Really I gave it four stars. I, I gave I, it a four. Four. Oh, at four point two five. Again, yeah, really is enjoyed that it. One but thing, I, four's low on the Ishii scale. It is low on the Ishii scale, and I think that's the one point I raised about Jay White was, you know, it's the killer matches, and for him to have it now, the last time he had his killer match in New Japan, it was against Ibushi, and if they're doing that, a power struggle with stakes on that, and I loved that little, like, well, I know Steph loved it probably more than I ever would have done, but that was great, and that was some of the stuff I was looking forward to for power struggle as well. It was like, ah, this is... This is like a good use because I thought they were going to go do a lot of sort of bullet club stuff on the B block day. And I'm kind of glad that none of that happened. That you only had the kind of one shock of Osprey because then that means something substantial and he doesn't get over overblown by it. Um, you know, you don't want too many twists. You kind of want a, a way of spreading out results in a different way, possibly. But yeah, um, Ishii, what a fucking tournament. I don't know about for you. I mean, he's he's kind of my he's my MVP again. Mm. Um, I voted for him for the Wrestling Observer uh, newsletter Hall of Fame as well um, because I think the work quality is like this is golden age stuff we've seen for the last six years. I mm. mean, um, I think Gareth, you brought up the point in the last show of like his average based on the last. Well, how far does it go back? Twenty fifteen is it um, for the G ones? Yeah, I mean, essentially, he's averaging, you know, he averages over four star pretty much every <laughs> every time. Again, like, you know, I was I was waxing lyrical about him from last year, been eight of his nine matches, been averaging it over four stars. He's done it again, you know, like eight of his nine this year are averaging out at over four stars again, which is pretty fucking incredible, really, isn't it? And, you know, there is one, is the Ujiro match at like 3.16 and, you know, well, you know what can you do about that kind of thing, basic. But you know, to be to be coming through a tournament at this level, yeah. year in year out, delivering, you know, essentially ninety five percent of your matches are four star or above. It's fucking incredible, isn't it? Really, you know, you think the level he works at. And I also think as well, being from the UK, the thing that we have is we saw him so much because we saw him in those big Rev Pro main events and the rest of it. So there's like even more fondness of like, he doesn't take his, he, he never phoned it in mm. when he was doing those kind of big shows over here in the UK. So like he is, he's what I would give for like, just like if you build up that one last great chance, I mean, or even just go mad next year's G1, put him in a final, mm. put him, put him in a final and see what happens. And that's what, if you had a full crowd, that whole crowd would be exactly behind him. And the crowd for the, the crowd and the match against Jay White were really there as well. And, and I think I said it on the previous show. I was just glad to see Ishii get a main event spot of Budokan yeah. to have a really, have a, have a very good match and like get kind of like his just rewards really. Mm. And he's the greatest spoiler that you have because it's credible. He can beat anyone mm-hmm. to the idea. And, and there was enough kind of, because of the stakes of the match as well, like, there was a, so much drama, I thought, towards the end with some of the some of the kick out and some of the the false finishes. I know some people, you know, a lot of the counter sequence aren't so everyone's taste, but I kind of went with it mm. in the moment and with the overall flow of the match. I mean, we talk about like match ratings there, and you know, talking about 
you know, Jay White, obviously we were saying there about having, you know, three of us, I think, gave it a four, JP gave it a 4.25. The average across all users, you know, and we're talking, uh, you know, at this stage, it's like 228 people. It's like 4.35, you know, so the majority of people outside of us having this conversation think it was even better than we do. And that's actually, that's Ish's highest match in the whole tournament so he's oh, he's just wow. highest matches. oh my god i'm gonna hang up my bunting anyway <laughs> <laughs> that goes against what my thinking was on it yeah jesus but what, but what i would say is is that it's the only jay white match that's in the top uh, 17 you have to go down to number 18 for the next jay white one which is the abushi match and that's averaging at like 3.97 so i, mean, I don't know why you had to add that fact in <laughs> just <laughs> Put your bunting away, uh, <laughs> um, um, but no, I think when you when you look at you know Jay White's averages, obviously like the the Ishii match there comes out as you know significantly high at like four four point three five. I think beyond that though, you know Ibushi three point nine seven, Osprey three point nine one, Shingo three point seven three, like. While they're not these, while they're not like oh these are Ishii level consistent four star level matches. Personally, I'd argue that they're sufficiently good for Jay White in the role that he is, whereas a heel who's doing the type of work that he, he is, mm. they're good enough matches. And I know he's working with fucking great people there in A Block to do that. But I th- for me, that's sufficiently good for somebody in that role at that level. And, you know, then, you know, in which case it's not like, yeah, probably if you'd have said 12 months ago, 24 months ago, he wouldn't have been having even the level of matches that coming in to that degree, you know, there would have been like three and a half, three average rating matches kind of thing. So, you know, I think he's, he's in, while he's not the best in the ring or in ring, he's, you know, he's, he's certainly improved the improved the output that he's, he's putting in there. And again, if he can continue to improve that in the same way that he's improved his character work, then again, you know, he's only a young lad still at the end of the day. And you look and you think three years, four years down the line, you know, what's what he's going to be uh, capable of potentially as well. So, you know, it's certainly um, certainly opened my eyes this this tournament. I like that, Gareth. That was like a very encouraging teacher's report on parents' night. You know, <laughs> if he can just continue on making these improvements, he'll get an A star by the end of the semester, I'm sure. Absolutely. Better than his, better, better than his must-try-harder that he got last year. He's <laughs> <laughs> so it, applied himself well over the last 12 months, knuckled down, yeah. done his own work, and uh, he's, he's seen the results. I don't know. If Joe was his teacher last year, he just got shit and cunt written all over his paperwork. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than that. <laughs> There's always one teacher who just never took to him. <laughs> it sounds like you're saying from I experience, though, don't you? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I do say it to my students at the start of the years, like, don't fuck with me because I don't play games <laughs> and I'm here to win. And then just carry on the year. Is it like Dangerous Minds, JP? That's how I imagine it. Uh, it's more like Half Nelson, mate, if you've ever seen that. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like Jay so much because I relate to that because I was the one people that the teachers never ever fucking like no matter what. <laughs> was that Undertaker stuff probably, wasn't it? There you go. <laughs> Big WCW fans, if they were, they would have thought he's mean Mark Callis. What are you on about? That's his name. <laughs> <laughs> one of my like most vi- most vivid memories of school, well, schools does still haunt me, but one of them is um, 
like uh, I was in history class, which was like the one subject I was good at. And the start of term, we got a new teacher and she was like, yeah, clean slates for everyone. And after five minutes, I did something like uh, talked or something that annoyed her. And she was like, yes, Stephanie, I've heard about you. And I was just sitting there going, did you not just say it was clean slates for everyone? (laughs) She didn't say to her, rest in peace beforehand. (laughs) All right. What's I said I'll fucking tombstone you if you don't pass me. <laughs> uh, see, I was a bit of a suck up at school, like GCSE level, and I got really good grades. And then I went to sixth form, and I discovered weed and sleeping in. And yeah, my life never quite recovered. So that's the uh, that's the. Do you know what I did in there? Do you know what I did in sixth form? I um, didn't turn up to school and told the teachers that I could teach myself better at home. And I ended up getting all the grades I needed to get into university at London. So fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't held on to that at all, though, have you? (laughs) I went to an all boys Catholic sixth form and we gambled and we gambled a lot. There was a lot of betting. There was a pool table. We're betting on darts. There's an Irish card game called 25. Taught that around to everyone. Playing that game, chase the ace for money. Decent money going there. And I won't lie, I was not only party to it, but quite often at the centre of these types of things. And we'd play killer and pool, put a quid in as well. So you could win 20 quid on your lunch breaks. (laughs) Mid-90s I'm talking about here. I'm, I'm guessing you, Gareth, were like the lab with the spreadsheet and you were like selling people snacks on lunch and stuff and having little business-minded ideas, uh, A's in maths, no, not describe uh, Grapple Gareth. I'm, 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 laughing, I'm laughing at you in straight to the spreadsheet because I was just thinking, what was I doing? And I was like, oh yeah, just playing the championship manager 20 hours a day, which I suppose <laughs> essentially is an interactive spreadsheet really, isn't it, at the end of the day? So there you go. Time well spent. There's my sixth form. Yeah, time well spent. I mean, back then it, you'd always have the addictiveness rating, mm. wouldn't it? And you'd look. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It was also, I found, on a football manager-related note, starting conversation when I went travelling through Central America in like early, in 2000. Football manager talk was universal. Even bringing up like Tonton Zola Makoku. Oh, yeah. Again, like people knew who he was. Not so much Alan Borgvart. I said, you want to get in on him? Dan- <laughs> Danish under-21s. Oh, yeah. He got, got up Matthias Asper in goal. Oh, yeah. You raid the, sc- the Scandinavian under 21. Do you want to defend the defensive midfielder, midfielder, right, left, centre, both feet? Yes, where you go. <laughs> there you go. Good placid lads didn't fuck about, weren't on the piss like Collie Moore was when he went AWOL. Explained uh, love- that yesterday. I love the way you fucked up your A-levels because of weed, uh, Benno, and I fucked mine up because of championship manager. <laughs> That's a lot about us. <laughs> to be fair, I was just at home smoking, watching wrestling, so I don't think I was uh, <laughs> doing anything particularly uh, exciting or there. there you go. Well, That's I... All lives turned out, everyone. I passed mine because of ruthless determination to prove that teachers were absolute wastes of time. So... <laughs> Was it not ruthless aggression that you were showing? <laughs> it was probably inside. a bit of ruthless aggression as well. Are you saying that JP is a waste of time? No, because wow. he <laughs> no. She's he, not wrong. He didn't teach in my he didn't teach in my secondary school. I'm telling you, they were fucking wastes of like child hating monsters. They <laughs> 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 were fucking. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to get into it, but like, if they think they were fucking Christians, it. they're fucking joking. So whatever. <laughs> unlike JP, who loves work. all the students. Uh, unlike Joe, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like take... all the religious stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely not. No, <laughs> I don't. Oh, I he say... would have been a lovely teacher, me and him would have really got on. I I get on very well with my students, <laughs> although I do look at them now as like one of any one of them could potentially kill me. <laughs> right, that's which adds an added dimension, I think, to lessons that weren't previously there. <laughs> if anyone I, one day I wants teach to games do and like, media and all the students are generally quite nice if anyone one day wants to do a podcast with me about my high school years I'd be totally up for that <laughs> oh, is this why you're so drawn to Jay White because you, if you're in a high school shooter that, <laughs> did, did, were you really put, did you really stay at home to uh, educate yourself because it was better than children's or did, was there some kind of concerns there that actually you might have got your hands on a weapon and Maybe things mightn't have gone. I can't possibly answer that. All I can say is that um, during my final year at school, there was many a text to my mom saying, oops, I missed the bus, gone home. (laughs) 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 At least three a week. (laughs) Good work. Nice. Uh, Well, I suppose we should probably get back to that. (laughs) I don't know. It's like Josie. Do you know what what feels like school lessons? The B block. That felt like school lessons. (laughs) I was going to say, we've we've avoided it for long. Monday morning, double maths. Uh, We started this just after, well, a little bit after half 11, and it's a little bit after half, sorry, half nine. It's a little bit after half 11 now, and we haven't even talked about the B block. Uh, I don't think we're going to talk long about the B block. Um, But yeah. It's over. Let's get into it. It's over. I'm happy. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing. I was on such a high after Thursday. I don't think this A block, like, it doesn't meet the standards of previous great blocks in the G1. Mainly, I think, because of the crowd situation. We don't... There's no five-star match in this G1, as far as I'm concerned. And a lot of the matches we talked on previous shows might lose half a star or a quarter star because of the situation that we're in. But yeah, this B block, I've got to say, I'm just glad it's over. Um, I mean, talking this B block day um, from Saturday and, you know, the only real stuff we... I mean, we could talk Tanahashi's X-Saber in a minute because that was a pretty damn good match uh, in, in the mid card. But the main stuff was the uh, the two, uh, the semi-main events and the main event, which were the, uh, the story. You know, remember when we said the B block was going to be the story block? Um, I mean, I think that turned out to be the A block in hindsight, so I don't even know what the B block was at this point but we got Naito and Kenta we got Sonata and Evil they were matches um I don't know if we can really break them down in much detail like Kenta and Naito I gave 3.25 stars Evil and Sonata I gave 2.25 stars um just yeah nothing like Nothing inspiring about either of those matches for me. And maybe was a little bit invested in Kent and Naito. Not just because I was waiting for me McDonald's Ash Browns to come, but because you know, <laughs> I thought, well, you know, that, it'd be nice to see Naito get a nice little spoiler win. But I knew what was coming next with uh, with Sonata and Evil. So I can't say I was particularly uh, excited for, for it to end. If it had gone another half an hour, I probably would have been happy because it would have just avoided me having to watch that thing. Because like you said earlier, JP, Sonata and Evil, two wrestlers who, you know, they were a tag team. Like and they got in there and they just yeah. wrestle like the two men who've never met before. It's it, it is absolutely bizarre. We've all said a few times and we maybe didn't say it enough last week. We know we know that the Lij dudes and the ex Lij dude and Evil sell tickets. Like this show sold out before the other block show. They are clearly movers as far as business goes in Japan. But if we're heading towards a Tokyo Dome where it's Naito versus Evil and Naito versus Sonada on on the two nights of uh, of Tokyo Dome, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Because, yeah, if this B-block night was heading to go by, 
I'm not I'm not in any way hyped about those matches. Um yeah, like I say, two point two five and three point two five from me. Uh did you go any higher on either of them, Gareth? Did they uh, did they grab you with that main event? because uh, it certainly doesn't look from the uh, the averages that the uh, they grab the uh, the grapple users either. Nah, it was just dull, wasn't it? I mean, I enjoyed the Kent and Naito match a, like more than the main, not obviously kind of thing, but you know, I think I, I went three and a half on on the Kent and Naito match. But that Evil and Sonata, I gave that two and a half. It was just, it was just dull, wasn't it? It was just, you know, you know. I, th- I think the thing that I just consistently think about this feud, and if I think of it as like a three-way feud with um, Naito involved as well, is just like a lack of intensity all around. And I just think about like, this whole thing is supposed to be the central storyline where you know, evil's done the dirty on them and they just wrestle each other. Like they're just going out and just wrestling absolutely anybody kind of thing that there's, there's no like real, you know, fire or hatred or anything like that that comes through. And I know like tranquilo and cold skull and all this kind of thing, you know, it's sort of an element of their characters, but this guy's, you know, he's absolutely fucked you over this year. And then totally like, um, you know, totally stuck the knife in your back and, and they just go out and wrestle. Like it's just like random match on you know superstars or dynamite or whatever you know person a versus person b kind of thing just goes in there and have a match you know like there's more fucking heat when tito santana used to come across rick martell in the royal rumble about four years after strike force split up or something like that than there is between these two it's absolutely you know ridiculous and then you know i think they just totally translate into their work it does just need a bit more energy about it it needs more like aggression and physicality and fire and it's just too you know it could almost just be like some like i don't know like showcase spectacle or something like that the way about they go about things and not even a good one at that you know it's just um you know it's just something that you know it's 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 just there and, and all the while it just felt like a mechanic to get to something else sort of thing and to get to get to something else that i'm not interested in watching either you know so it's hard to hard to invest at, at, at that level and i think you know again it sort of like comes across with the the grapple ratings for that main event like the the average rating is 2.99 so okay it's essentially like a, a three-star average rating for you know the main event of your bit of you know the final day of your block that's central to the biggest storyline that you've been building all year and it's a three-star match on that same show goto against juice robinson's got an average of 3.11 like go to juice robinson in a meet nothing match that's absolutely of zero consequence to anything and you know and it's like it's coming out and rating better it's just just preposterous i mean i don't know yeah what Sorry, you, nothing more to say. What you do with these lads? It's just not. It's not even that interested to talk about, is it? Because it's just that's how bland this is. Like I heard Dave Meltzer talking about. I had this to get match. absolutely twatted to get. This <laughs> you did well. Yeah. Uh, I heard Meltzer talking about. I sat through that. My pickums have been wrecked the day before. <laughs> And it was, sorry, what were you saying, Ben? No, I was going to say, like, Melton was kind of telling me that, I was listening to his audio, he wasn't telling me personally, but he was, te- he was saying that, like, Evil, <laughs> that there was a story in this match that Evil was trying to drag the time out because he could win with a draw, and I was like, was there a story, or was it just really fucking boring, it felt like he was dragging the time out? <laughs> like, I couldn't even give it that. Um, yeah, I mean... Steph, uh, Again, you'd think Sonata would be angry. but He would, yeah. You know. He hasn't got that in him, though, has he? You know, he's... Is that his real face? Or is that just a mask that's completely expressionless? <laughs> I don't know. Did he have a different face when he was in TNA? When he was uh, Sayer Sonata? Did he show any emotion there? No. Not really, but we thought he'd grow into it. He hasn't. <laughs> it's been 10 years. 
Steph, you any bigger like Rocky Dennis? Uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Are you any bigger of a, a Sonata Evil fan than us for that match, or did you enjoy at least Naito no. Kenta? Uh, yeah, it was a struggle as B Block Show. Okay. I feel like I I I like Evil as like a persona. The way I see Evil is like he's a guy that you might see in a club and say he's really hot and looks cool, and then when you actually try and date him, there's nothing there whatsoever, and you're just trying to drag it out because you're like, yeah, but he he is really cool though. Um, like he's that he's that kind of thing. The guy has one permanent facial expression that he's never able to change from and I think this match was kind of detrimental to him because he was against Sonata and you'd think they would have a lot going on. You'd think they would be like two exes that have been through a really um, emotional like relationship um, and none of that was conveyed in the match to me whatsoever. Um, but then when you come to Kenta and Naito, um, talking about people's facial expressions, there's something about Kenta's face that gets me every time. Uh, Kenta, to me, like gives off some of like, it's just his, there's something naturally sympathetic about his face, even though he's meant to be a heel. I almost think that Kenta is a guy that's dealing with um, severe PTSD from his time in WWE and it's just constantly conveyed through his matches and in this G1 like I don't think this is the story they're trying to tell but the story I've picked up on personally is that Kenta is this poor kind of sad depressed man who in America won this briefcase that he's never going to be able to cash in and he's just trying to like get through life and then there was the match where he faced evil and and he realized that evil's like a total dick and he's just kept going with this little like sympathetic face where he's trying hard and he might be on the bad side but you're like go on kenta like yes you've been through like so much fucking trauma from being in WWE that you deserve this and I'm just really drawn to like the expressiveness of Kenta's face where it's evil as much as I like him I, I think I though I also do prefer Dick Togo as a person to eat like I love Dick Togo evil take him or leave him um, I mean the goth entrance is amazing but I feel like that could be projected onto anyone at this stage <laughs> So it's not even exclusive to evil. But um, yeah, Kenta just expresses this emotion to me of someone that has been through a lot of trauma. And he is in this faction where he's not quite sure what's going on because he's not at the prominent role that he should be. But he finds himself in the B block with evil. And he's had this encounter with evil, whereas where he will be going back to Jay, the true leader, and saying... Yeah, yeah. Uh, evil cannot be trusted. He's a total dick. Like, what are we going to do? And he's just kind of like this little lone wolf whose friends are away. And and he, I mean, that promo he did after the Juice Roberts thing almost made me cry when he was like, this is my fucking life. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> he knows that everyone remembers. Well, that was a great promo because he knows that everyone remembers the Hideo Tommy Well, I, I, I don't know. There's something about Kenta that just gets my heart and, like, good for him in this tournament because he's a guy that, like, like he's 
he's Kanta. Like this is the problem. Like he's fucking Kanta. Nobody cares about him because he had that WWE run. It's like we all need to take a step back and remember that he's Kanta. So he's just to me like this little lone soldier wandering through the woods with his briefcase, um, looking for comrades that he can't find in the area. Um, <laughs> evil. If I was. Dick Togo, I would send Evil to some acting classes or something because that man's expression never changes. Evil to me is like when you're um, messaging a guy that's happened to me quite recently and he just fucking likes all your messages instead of saying anything banterish back. So you're just in that kind of stalemate. The guy never fucking changes. (laughs) And you get to the point where you're just like... There's nothing going on behind this veneer. Like Step Beyond the Eyes. <laughs> yeah, they're all evil. Like, they're both Step Beyond the Eyes. Like I mean, I'm sorry yeah. for that and those analogies that you probably never expected, but um I like I like evil, but at the same time I'm like this is not going to be long term because you've got nothing to give back to me. Yeah. Now at all. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's. I mean, JP, did you expect that? Like, we'd be we'd be talking about like the the last two matches of this B block, and you know, in twenty twenty, Kent is the star um, of these matches. Like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and I agree because I've in, I've in, I agree with Steph because I've I've enjoyed him sort of throughout the tournament. He's been better than what I thought he would be in terms of what he delivered in the ring because I was probably a bit down on that because of the New Japan Strong main events that he'd been in, which just really were quite dull mm. and this was something and i kind of he, he's, he's very much like a man without a home isn't he mm. in terms of like the stables yeah. he doesn't fit in with everything else and he's better off being this kind of figure without anyone else around him who kind of realize i mean i wonder whether or not like there's a good redemption story there with him if they do want to tell it and he's always interesting enough that if you need a quick fix to put in at the top of the card you can do that and him losing matches didn't ruin anything of the character he's playing. Like you kind of expect it. So that was fine. But yeah, the fact that he is the big talking point of these matches, like you say, I, like Tanahashi versus Zach, I, I like that was the highest one. I went three and a half on that. What's your um, final two? Final two. I had two and a half to the main and, and the semi. Yeah, semi main. I went 3.25. Because of Kenta, primarily. But two and a half, yeah. It's it's this quality level. And I think I, I, how I felt about it, pure and simple, is like, lads, this is the B-block final of the fucking G1. Step it up. Mm. Like, you should be stepping this up, regardless of mm. anything else you're trying to achieve in this. That, like, I'm bored. I'm seriously bored. And that's why when, like, an afternoon session talking about Confederate Championship Wrestling from <laughs> TNA... Seemed very appealing, like as a result of as a result of this. But yeah, I think I, when he comes to Sonata over the whole over the whole thing, like he's gone down in my estimation, and I wasn't exactly really high on the guy in the first place. But like, it, it seems to me whether or not I don't know if he froze because you wouldn't know if he froze. You wouldn't know if he was on fire because he'd have the same expression <laughs> on his face. So there you are. It's amazing that people, and when I say people, I mean like you lads could ever have been so down on Jay White when Evil and Sonata exist in this uh, New Japan universe. And I almost feel that it's because Jay White is an English speaker that you expect more from him 
because not being an, you can not be an English speaker and still convey everything you need to to the fans. Like for example, Hiromu, and then you've got Evil and Sanana that are literally like two wooden boards, you know, like oh, fighting yeah. each other. And but- Jay's trying as hard as he can, and he always has from the beginning. And I feel like he's being kind of dealt an unfair hand in a way because. Like, if you're going to compare him to these two guys, even two years ago, Jay had more personality in one finger than Sonata has in his entire body. But it was the way he came in. Mm. He came in against Tanahashi and he came in right at the top of the card. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't the point of just the building him up. If he'd come in around the Never title reign and like the US title reign, I think that would have been fine kind of overall. But there, there was the sense of, like he's being pushed and clearly being groomed for the kind of like main event heel. And it was like, Oh my God, it's not ready yet. Is that not just kind of um, a bias against someone coming in at a top spot? Because that was, that was ghetto, like picking him out and saying, I'm not going to like put you through a system. I'm going to push you right to the top. And he did what he can to do that. And if, if that happens to you, if someone says to you like JP, I'm not hiring you as a teacher. You're the fucking principal right now. <laughs> I turn around and say you're fucked. You're done. <laughs> that was a daft decision. No, I just like I, like I don't want to. I don't want to yeah. like you know. But you know what I'm saying though. There's I, there is something missing with evil and and Sonata. Yeah, you're, t- you're, I, talk, you're talking me out with this Jay White positivity. Maybe actually <laughs> it's just evil and Sonata are so bad that it makes Jay White look better than he is. Maybe. I think the, the Do biases. Not get on that train, Gareth. Do not get on that train. Okay. <laughs> I think the biases though with it evil just and Sonata. Be... We've kind of. I think there's that tendency. Because I think you've hit on something there to be a foreign fan in New Japan and go, ah, the Japanese fans know what they're talking about. We just must be wrong. Like, and you still get that now where it's like, oh, shut up, you Westerners. You know what you're talking about. They they love it in Japan. We must, and I think maybe we give them the benefit of the doubt or have, but I do feel like that patience has completely ran out uh, with both of the lads at this point, yeah. especially because this super push of evil was like way, has been way worse than any super push, you know, Jay got earlier on. Uh, I think it's just taking yeah. time for that, that hate to, uh, to come out. Well, the, I feel like I, Oh, sorry, JP, go ahead. I was just going to say the super pushes generally haven't really always worked. Have they mm. for new Japan? I mean, like what they've done with the Bushi is very slow and steady, but post Okada, when they've really gone in there with people, for the most part, it it, it just hasn't worked. Mm. Like for them being kind of up to that, up to the level that you really you want them at, which is the kind of main event level, which is the top echelon of the company. Mm. And with Jay White, as a young boy, as a young lion, he had all the potential. Like he was the one who was like, oh, he's good. Like he really is incredibly crisp. Mm. There was the match with Osprey in Ring of Honor. But then there was the times in Rev Pro where it was like, oh, okay, you know, I I kind of thought I'd expect a little bit more. But then character-wise, it wasn't quite there. He was, as Steph said earlier, babyface from New Zealand. I think there is probably something with that, this this idea that we may, A, have a kind of, like, kind of reverence to what the native audience thinks about New Japan. And I'm always massively intrigued by that as much as anything else because I know that, like the LIJ stuff isn't for me, but why is it a big seller? And I think there's really interesting ways that they, they target their fan base. And as we, we said on the round table, Steph, a large proportion of that fan base 
are women and i think there's been the kind of active way that i think loj seems to be particularly popular with lots mm-hmm. of female fans he, you know whenever they're focusing on any of the crowd shots it's you know in terms of like whether it's Hiromu or anyone else across the whole kind of spread of it i think it's just you look at lij and you think if you were pushing Hiromu, i'd have no fucking issues with this super push for Hiromu, fine but evil is like he just went to the shtick he can have good matches i've seen him have good matches before uh, and, in, and in G1s, but like it's it's not this way of him wrestling. It's just fucking awful as much as anything else. Sonada, on the other hand, I'm just not convinced he has it because yeah. if this if this is like Evil's been told to do the fucking bullshit and the and the bull shots and the Dick Togo stuff and that, but Sonada's not using any of those. Doesn't have any of those kind of crutches holding him back. And like you know, this is meant to be like if you're not. In the business he's in, in the company he's in, if you're not really motivated for a G1 final to like kind of be as expressive and try and hard as you can, and I think those couple of like slightly blown splots, or particularly the dropkick one, might have been just down to kind of nerves as much as anything else. Again, not like you'd know it from his facial expression. <laughs> I think it's an interesting one, Sonada, because like I was looking today, and you, you do get this kind of like view of, oh, like. If if not now for Sonada, then when? And then he's somebody who's popular and he's somebody that they're pushing and things like that. And then like obviously he's come through and he's like got to the final there today. But I was just like looking at his singles results since, you know, over the last twelve months and it's he's like obviously he's lost to Ibushi today. He like lost to Evil in the New Japan Cup semi final, lost to Jay White at New Beginning in Osaka, lost to Zack Sabre Jr. at Wrestle Kingdom. He lost to Okada after that King of Pro in the King of Pro Wrestling title fight last year after he got just eight points in the G1 last year. And like I'm starting to think like, is it overblown this idea that Sonada's kind of the the next a uh, New Japan even not on board with this idea that Sonada's the next big thing and and are they just like almost milking the popularity in the short term by putting in the in these positions where he's kind of in this Neely man upper mid card kind of position, but they've actually got no intention on pulling the trigger on him because they know that he cannot deliver when he gets to the 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 big stage ultimately because looking at the way you know. That's a huge run of big, high-profile singles, matches, events that he's ultimately come out second across the board in a 12-month period a period of time there, which they don't overtly seem to be building as any kind of like storyline that he's on some like big, you know, can't you know can't do it on the uh, on the big match or he's lo- you know he's on some like big match losing streak or something like that. You know, I almost just feel like they're like milking it from what he, he what they can and then ultimately you've got Hiromu coming up <laughs> beneath him in LIJ who's clearly a bigger star clearly more talented in the ring clearly more charisma more personality more fan engagement he's you'd assume he's going to sell more merch you'd assume he's going to sell more tickets and is it just like actually Sonada's just in this holding pattern milk what we can get out of him while we can and then suddenly he falls to the bottom of the pecking order in, in LIJ even, or then he's got a reason to, okay, now he turns on LIJ and he becomes the middle man in Bullet Club or somewhere else, another faction or whatever kind of thing, you know. And I'm starting to feel like, actually, they've got no faith in him either. I don't think they... I don't think that New Japan do have faith in Sonata. I, I think they... Um, you know, like, recently there's been this whole New Japan AW. Are they going to, you know, 
promote thing debate and i'm completely against um what you might call like the whitewashing of new japan like bringing back young bucks bringing back kenny all that kind of stuff if i had it my way i would say you would do one um new japan versus aw supercard a year and be done with it and like that be their relationship and i think that new japan are probably smart enough to recognize that sonata is not the guy to connect with an international audience in the way that they want he's not the guy to do that and hiromu is um i still don't know why hiromu wasn't in this fucking tournament but if you really look at uh hiromu and everything that he can convey without convey to like english-speaking audience members like myself without speaking any english at all like he's the man to go with to kind of bridge this gap and kind of bring them more into the english-speaking market and i can't imagine that they'd ever think that sonata was that guy or that evil was that guy because when you watch them they there's just something about them that does not connect whatsoever whereas if you take someone like Okada and Tanahashi, like you don't need to speak the, the same language as Okada mm. or Tanahashi to have a connection with them. Um, with Evil and Sonata, um, like we're clearly missing something that the Japanese audience are getting. Well, with Sonata, Evil, honestly, the Japanese audience seem bored with him too. But I think if you if you take a Hiromu and you push him to the top of the card, I think that can connect the whole way internationally and give new japan what they need which is um something appealing to international audiences that is still new japan i think that's what hiromu represents i i would agree with that i think there's been issues with sonada and contracts in the past as well yes yeah, and i wonder whether chat. and they're not the kind of companies like kabushi now they show faith the moment he signed the contract mm-hmm. and shows that he's he's there like, with the boot Sorry, go no, ahead. no, no, no. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, like with Ibushi, like the 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 good thing about him is that he has the name recognition from his relationship with Kenny. But I almost feel that we're at the point with Ibushi where, like, I'm not saying that he's past his prime because he's not, but he's past the point of this catching on as a major thing internationally. Whereas we're not at that with Hiromu. He's the one I kind of understand. And I will say today, he livened up the undercards in my groggy state. Him just running around the ring and the rest of it. He was like, oh, yeah. He's like, some of the people come in here like, Dookie. Oh, Christ. Like, but with him, it is very, very different. I kind of get the of all the LIJ stuff, the Hiromu stuff, I kind of get the most. I mean, like that absolute legend of a kid that Alan Farrell pointed out. Oh, who was sat there yeah. with his... Hiromu, yep, front row. Um, did he have a cat either side? He had a pig. <laughs> the pig. Was, like, as someone Rock who on. has way too many cuddly toys for a woman their age, that just melted my heart so so much. There's nothing I want more than to be with my teddy at a New Japan event. And that kid and his pig was one of the greatest images of the G1 and almost and also one of the most positive images of the COVID-19 era. <laughs> if wrestling yeah. was fucking mainstream, that kid would be viral for a positive COVID-19 <laughs> image of, you know what, the world sucks, but at least now you can get your pig sat next to you at an event. And it was the A-block day. 
Was yeah. it the A block day he was at? Yeah, exactly. Been at that B block day, I'd have fucking felt for him. It'd have been like, oh, you poor sod. <laughs> having to sit through, like, you just would have gone him after Tanahashi Zach. Go, mate. You're, you're missing fuck all. Sonata wins. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, we've danced around it, so we might as well talk it. Like, we, we can yeah. do some cleanup on the undercard matches in a minute and the, uh, the B block. So, we, yeah, we've gone this long and we haven't really d- delved into the, 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 the G1 final, you know? Yeah. That's a thing that happened this weekend. Um, and there's a reason why, isn't that? It was, you know, an hour and 35 minutes long. Sorry, no, 35 minutes long. Sorry, I, the easy mistake. Um, <laughs> oh, Sonada and Ibushi just doing shit and I was like I talk, I was talking to Suit Williams like on, on the timeline at the time bar and he was saying he's going to have to watch it again because he's not taking it in and I was like no I literally anytime my, my, my hand started going to my phone or I started getting distracted I was like no pay attention because otherwise you're going to have to watch this again like, don't put yourself through this twice like don't do it and this is the G1 final and you know like Sonada you know, I, I did have a little bit of hope. I thought, you know, beating Evil kind of made me think, well, well, at least we're not getting the Evil match. You know, what can Kota Ibushi do with a Sonata? Like, are we going to get some... We'll get something interesting. It's Kota Ibushi, and there were maybe flashes of it fluttered through the 35 minutes, but I gave it three stars on Grapple, and I know I'm below the average on that, so I'm guessing you guys are going to be a little bit higher, but I think part of that is, is bias from me on just what I expect out of a G1 main event, a G1 final main event. And it just didn't mm. deliver for me. Um, and, you know, I was sh- really, to be honest, I was ho- very much expecting Kota Ibushi to lose. Um, I would never have expected him to, to get to the final, to be honest, never mind win the whole thing again. Um, so really, I was just braced for Sonata to go over. I wasn't really thinking about, you know, the contractual issue there. I was, My mind had gone straight to, great, we're going to get the LIJ triumvirate over two days uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. So I suppose my favourite moment of the match was when it ended because Kota Ibushi <laughs> won and we didn't get get that. But I just didn't, I, I've seen people go higher on Grapple and you know Meltzer seemed to like it and you know I, I've heard other podcasts. Fucking likes everything. Well, doesn't it? in New Japan in it. In a, in Japan, yes. <laughs> there is some yeah. truth to that sometimes. Uh, but I just there was nothing about this match that just spoke to me really. Uh, there were but botches in the match. Sonada looked like a deer in the headlights. This was his time to turn people around. And I feel like, yeah, unless you were going in heavily, heavily invested in in Sonada, I just don't see giving this match much more than that. Um I don't know, go, go to you first, JP. What did uh, what did you give this one? Am I harsh with my three stars? Like a, a gentleman's three for the G1 final. Maybe I should watch it again, but you know, I've seen Ian Halton Hamilton go I think three and a half. Um That's why I went. And, and Ian Hamilton's a you know he can be a generous rater himself um, and you JP yeah you're not as stingy as me sometimes but yeah G1 In final it's not good enough it's not good enough at all I went three and a half and that's nowhere near good enough and I'm kind of wondering the kind of edging it down it's primarily the closing bits and I did really bite on the uh, the, the Sonada roll up combination thing and it's those kind of memories and I was very happy to see Kota Ibushi win yeah. And I think there's that's the things that probably dragged me through. And I enjoyed Kota Ibushi in the match. I just kind of felt for him. I was like, fuck, like w- walking up the hill watching this. And I was like looking at Ibushi thinking, I know how you feel, mate. Like, yeah, this is a fucking struggle, isn't it? For me and you both. 
Um, he wasn't able to avoid dog shit on the way though, <laughs> and horse shit as well. Wow, Oxfordshire, Oxfordshire for you. Um, yeah, <laughs> of course they've got horses around Oxford. They've got deer in, near the fucking universities. These southern softies, I got it. Unbelievable. Oh, it's, it's Narnia, the centre of town. It's just fucking Narnia. Anyway, yeah. Yesterday I treated the centre of town with the with the abuse that it very rarely gets. But there you are. Um, but yeah, back to this match. I, I like the opening stretches. I remember like just watching the opening fifteen minutes. I was like thinking, what happened? What's what's happened here? What have I? What am I taking away? What what is like the big kind of note? Good groundwork, really. That's where we're at. And it, a lot of it felt like. 20 25 minutes of like just kind of really nothing happening and then there was like kevin kelly i think said oh it, 25 minutes and we just sort of you know it's flown by and i thought for you maybe maybe you're being paid to watch this and i'm not <laughs> yeah there's a big difference here hmm. um so I, you know three and a half would suggest it's not a bad match because it isn't a bad match like with the bots and anything else a g1 final big main event like all the things you're meant to be setting up in the tight, like in the tournament, which is all, which is sold entirely on great matches. Mm. And you think to the year before where we were worried about the nightmare scenario, the Bushi and Jay white, and they put on a great match, mm. but an absolutely great match. And it actually had the drama of always oh, Jay white going to win. We don't want him to win. Sorry, Steph. But like at that point, <laughs> like it, the whole thing, like I was sucked in with the drama here is like, a, a new Sonata hadn't won, which made it slightly easier as well. Because mm. I just wanted to know what I was getting myself in for. I went, ah, oh, Bushi won. Good. Get in. That'll be a bit more interesting. And that shouldn't be my overall thought about like a G1 final. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at the grapple average, Gareth, and it's still, it's above four. So at least there's that. You know, maybe not everyone agrees with us, but I don't know. Where did you go personally on it? Yeah, I went the same as JP. I went three and a half and probably like a bit of a similar story, really, in a way that like I could have went less, but I think I was so delighted that Ibushi had won that, which had was like totally against my expectations going into the match. I just thought, yeah, yes, and I was winning this for definite kind of thing. But that probably put a bit of a positive shine on it for me, for me, because I just thought the match was just, I know you talk about like the little botches and things like that, but it just felt a bit clunky, like outside of those botches kind of thing. Like just the 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 way things were structured. The the, the you know you talk about sort of that first ten minutes and you like the like good groundwork. It was just sort of felt all a bit kind of like oh, you have a go and I'll have a go and then you have a go kind of thing. And it was just it was just then suddenly we've been doing one thing and then suddenly we just like change and now we're just working in a totally different style for the next 30 seconds and then we're going back to something else i don't know it just the, the way it was all pieced together just felt felt just a bit off and like you almost felt like i mean i meant to go back and, and look and be like how many times have these actually worked together in the past before because it looked like to, they almost looked like they'd never worked together or something like that i thought like it just it's, it's just not really a great skill mate yeah, <laughs> yeah they're just you know they just had that like i don't know that real just lack of lack of flow behind them and I mean I can't I mean like you say Benno it's it's the G1 final and you're like looking at it and you're thinking like oh I'm giving it a generous three and a half a year kind of thing because I kind of 
I don't know. I almost don't want to be as down on it as as I, as I am, kind of thing. And and you know, it it, it just hasn't do, hasn't delivered on that basis. And then we know what Kota Ibushi can do because he's proven it throughout, kind of thing. And I think this was the this was the the wall that he hit, kind of thing. Like he hits the Sonata wall, and like how the fuck do you pull something out of Sonata that's top draw? You know, I think you know you look back through his. His, his his career. I think there's you know few you count them on one hand really can't you kind of thing that the stuff that you you feel absolutely like top level and you know again it was just a sort of thing like can you imagine the idea that there's a G1 final and you're never gonna go back alive kind of thing and like you say you're reaching for your phone and stuff in the middle of a G1 final like what the hell's going on like but you know I'd, I've I don't know, I've got much else to to say on it apart from that apart from obviously in the biggest match of his life Sonata obviously uh let go of his submission at uh, two drops of the hand to <laughs> go missing the insult as I was, I was I was gonna say this I was thinking this is like trademark scenario now kind of thing I was thinking every time that like happens I'm just like oh do I have to mention it again next week kind of thing it's just like come on like yes, you know you at least yep. you know it's absolutely, yeah, blows my mind. But what are you going to do? Uh, how about you, Steph? Are you one of them people who gave it five stars that dragged the grapple average of over four? Um, they're out there. Absolutely you know, not. For them. Maybe they just really enjoyed that one near fall in the match, which was the best part of the match when Kota Ibushi clearly didn't kick out at 2.99999. Um, but yeah, past that. Like, yeah. The close calls in the match were the absolute highlight for me. <laughs> Uh, it's amazing for a G1 final to feel like you don't have that much to say about it, but I really don't. Yeah. I would give, I give it a gentlewoman's three because <laughs> there is nothing that um, really drew me in. I honestly felt from the beginning that Koda was winning just because I thought they're not fucking going to let, like they can't be that dumb that they're going to let Sonata win. And it just felt like to me, I think that Kota was earnestly trying to have the best match he could, whereas Sonata, as I've said before, Sonata is a bridesmaid that should never be a bride. He was just being Sonata, and he just wasn't up to the task of having a G1 final match. And uh, honestly, I can just relate it to basically like Kota was like a partner that was really into like a sexual encounter and Sonata was there like a dead fish and that was it (laughs) great analogies tonight gotta be honest (laughs) he tried his best Kota as well didn't he no he really did like Kota chucked up the whole Karma Sutra (laughs) he did I can imagine Kota being backstage like planning out this match Sonata being like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that like this is gonna be amazing and Sonata just being like Yes. Okay. And then when it actually happens, the guy's got nothing to give. And Coda is there like, come on, man. I'm giving you the full Coda Bushi. And Sonata's just like, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, we're doing this now? Cool. Yeah. Right. And that was it. And for me, it was like a three-star. It was not up to the caliber of a G1 final. And uh, yeah, the... Freaking post match is better than the match, and we can get on to the post match later. <laughs> Go ahead, JP. <laughs> I just want to say that it's a really good analogy, isn't it? It's it is like disappointing sex with someone you find really attractive. Yeah, it's the G one finally. You think, oh, this is going to be good, and it's like, <laughs> or your birthday, you might say, and you, you meet up and you think, oh, 
yeah, it's going to be great. And the whole thing is just a, a, a disappointment. You're thinking, yeah, uh-huh. I tried stuff, but didn't really ever come off, did it? <laughs> Not even me at the end, but there you go. <laughs> All them. <laughs> so it is kind of like that. And there are a couple of attractive guys. I mean, these are the two sexiest fellas you could have put in there. That's not true. And it was disappointing sex. (laughs) really is. Um, (laughs) Yeah, just to throw that into the mix. The other thing I thought, right, completely unrelated note, he saw this tape on his leg, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, like, and you would have just thought, right, you're Sonata, it's a G1 final. Go after it, hot start, start attacking that leg. Nah, I'm going to stare at it. It's almost like if you want to bring it back to the casual sex analogy, Kota Bushi turns up with a ball gag in his mouth and he's like, oh, let's cuddle, let's cuddle instead for a bit. And you're like, what the fuck? I'm not here to play. Come on. Kota would, though. Kota would turn up with a ball gag in his mouth. Oh, oh he would do. I'm sure he's into some things. Like... Yeah, <laughs> looks completely innocent, but it's like, hey, you, you've been in, you're in DDT for a long time. Right? Is he a twink, by the way? Will Schooling wanted us to... Well, he actually wanted WH Park. So is is Coda a twink? Yeah, Will Cooling requested okay. WH Park bring this up with John and Way. Spoilers, WH Park <laughs> did not bring this up with John and Way. Um, but we can ask instead. Uh, there you go, Will. There's your question. Is I would twink? say Coda is um, a dangerous twink because of, like Coda's mid-30s, but he's still got that kind of twink look. But then he's got this, like... You know, Coda like has a fucking death wish and he wants pain. So to me, Coda is a twink on pure physicality. But if you're going to approach him and just think this is another twink that you can conquer, you're wrong because this guy is going to absolutely destroy you. I mean, he's not a bear. He's not an otter. He is in the twink category. But you have to be brave. An otter is in between like a twink and a bear when you're kind of like that, maybe in your 30s stage and you've not quite reached bear but you've kind of surpassed twink maybe you've grown a beard um maybe you're jay white king's king switch king otter uh but but, i mean he can he can play a bit of dumb but also do a bit of sub at the same time i think coda is he's gotten better over the last couple of years coda is the twink that you bring home but he strangles you and you're (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you're left regretting that decision <laughs> because don't be fooled by his pretty boy veneer. Anyway, maybe edit that out of the podcast. Carry no. on. We're live, pal. <laughs> <laughs> if you are putting it like that from a wrestling perspective, he's just he's absolute filth, isn't he? The <laughs> I think that was, that's what we found out. Hey, I might be a girl, but I know a lot about twinks, otters, and bears. <laughs> so... <laughs> there you go, Will Cooling. You got the answer. John and Wake wouldn't have given you that. Yeah. Is, is it? Is this the show? The name of the show, Dangerous Twink. <laughs> See, I was going to go with yeah. J One, but it might be Dangerous Twink. Now. <laughs> I mean, on a wrestler point, <laughs> I was going to say on that Kota Ibushi point, you know the way he did the kick match on on Friday, and then had to come in with like the, the cell in the leg. I I bet you like that was never. It was just Kota was just like you know what I fancy doing today a kick match and he didn't think it through and then he was like shit I'm gonna have to sell this on uh, on Sunday and they were kind of stuck with like okay now we're gonna have to work around the leg and then Sonata was just like you know what let's just not 
let's just not bother. Let's just pretend that's not there. Like, it, it, was, so, it was so embarrassing, though, the way that, like, Kevin Kelly had to, like, cover for it almost, that, like, Sonada's trying to prove that he can beat him without the injury, you know, without going after the injury and things. Yeah. And you're just oh, come on. Like, as if Sonada's giving it that much thought. No fan would ever like... That's the other thing as well, is that attitude would never connect. Oh, I'm too, uh, you know... I mean, here's a guy I don't really know, mm. but I'm too kind of honourable to not go after his leg. Whereas you kind of think that's the obvious thing to do because you're trying to win the G1, mate. Mm. Which which is what you come down to with Sonada. He didn't look like he was trying to win the G1, and he very fucking nearly did. Mm. And he, he just couldn't look like he could give a shit most of the time anyway. Yeah. And I suppose he is so honourable that he just doesn't uh, let people tap out to him. So you never know. Maybe it, maybe it was all part of the story after all. Maybe if Rob Black sets up a promotion in the US, <laughs> he should go over there just to liven himself up for a bit. <laughs> it's the only solution. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah. Oh, well, I learned some things there. Um... <laughs> it was more fun than the G1 final. It was. Never thought, he, you know, that, that was much more fun than the G1 final. <laughs> did um, anyone have any thoughts? Uh, we're running quite low on time, but did anyone have any thoughts on... The undercards of the final, or the undercards of the blue block, we didn't really give uh, Tanahashi, Zack Sabre Jr. It's just dessert. Uh, anything else anyone else wants to mention? Um, I liked the post-match interview stuff with Jay White as well, just mm. to say that I, I did really like that. I liked the direction of it. It made sense with him beating him. It's the other route of him getting to the Tokyo Dome final, so it made sense not to pull the trigger on any Bullet Club stuff as well. Mm. And I'd kind of forgotten about that when that happened, I was like, ah, all right, that's okay. And then remembering the G1 final match that they'd had, which looks even better now in passing memory compared to this year's one, it kind of made you think, well, I'm much happier to see Kota Ibushi versus Jay White than Sonata Jay White. Hmm. Like that's, that's much more appealing to me. And I think it'll be, it'll, you know, it'll be able to have that requisite level of drama as well. I thought the Coda J White thing was amazing. I did not expect that at all. I'm really glad I didn't turn my TV off. Unlike Dave Meltzer that turned off his TV and then spent a whole podcast talking about how he thought something was going to happen between Coda and Jay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I thought it was really interesting because I liked how he, he came out wearing a white switchblade t-shirt and then like frankly hideous green tracksuit bottoms, but whatever. But he was wearing no black whatsoever he was wearing no bullet club garb he was just out there as jay white without ghetto uh having a toast with coda and then giving him a challenge and honestly at the beginning i even had a thought of is jay gonna ask coda to join a faction with him that was honestly my first thought just because the way he came out and i know probably no one else had that thought but anyway uh, and I think that's really that's going to be really good and I'm really glad that they give Jay something at the end because frankly him being stuck in that tag match that he was in was frankly disrespectful <laughs> um, so I'm glad that they, they gave him a big moment right at the end I was going to say you mentioned he was wearing green Do you see who else was mm-hmm. wearing green Osprey and B, you know. He is not joining a faction with Osprey and B. <laughs> That's not happening. If that happens, my mother will be so angry. <laughs> she will write to Ghetto because my mother has nothing against Osprey other than the fact that she wants Jay to be the top non-Japanese person. Mm. And <laughs> like every time Jay does something, 
like if Osprey wins a match, she's like, well, well, what about Jay? Because her feeling is that there can only be one top non-Japanese person and it better be Jay. So that's why she wants Osprey to win zero matches. <laughs> Imagine having a mum you can talk about the booking of the G1 Climax. It's with. Can we get her on next time you come on, Steph? On. Seriously. <laughs> I would love her to come on because some, <laughs> some of her takes, which I can't repeat on air, are frankly hilarious. <laughs> this isn't a conversation I would have been able to have with my mum or my dad at any point. <laughs> yeah, my favourite take from my mum ever was when Night oh no, when Kenta came out to challenge Naito when Naito won the two belts and I told my mum this that Kenta came out to challenge rather than Jay and her reply was the fucking nerve of him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, there you go, Steph's mum. Let's get her own podcast. I feel like that could be a podcast She's coming to the Grapple Network. Did she do the pickums at all? Well, that's no, it would have just been J J J. Been mother like daughter. Uh, I mean, before anything else, you guys want to mention on the? I mean, we're gonna have our wrap up show coming up, so you know, yeah. we can go into a bit more detail about best performance, that type of stuff. But anything particular from you, Gareth, from this weekend, or anything you wanted to mention? I think there's just other things just coming out of today and like that undercard today and like, you know, just a few things like Hiromu getting incredibly excited about the uh, junior tag team titles kind of thing. So I think anybody who's uh, waiting and getting excited for Hiromu to be uh, at the top of the card anytime soon needs to sort of pump the brakes on that thinking, you know, there's definitely a... uh, two or three year uh, further st- evolution there. He needs to have his little uh, junior tag run again for a bit now and things like that. So I think that was quite, um, um, yeah, it was a bit hard to sort of like see him have that level of excitement towards those when you're looking at somebody who's going to freshen up that LA- LIG uh, storyline. Um, and as well, I think, you know, like I was making the point in relation to Evil and Sonata and, you know, the Naito triangle and that lack of sort of like heat and hatred between them when they're, they're in the ring. And something that I just thought was really telling today was that, like, you know, you had Naito and uh, Bushi on one side and you had Evil and Yujiro on the other side. And there was significantly more aggression and hatred and heat between Naito and his old tag team partner, Yujiro, than there was between Naito and Evil. And I was thinking, hang about, this is like a tag team. When did they split up? Ten years ago or something like that? You know, and they they, they seem to be like going for each other more. Whereas like, you know, when he was like in the in the ring with, 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 with Evil and like even at the end of the match when like um, Naito kicked Evil off Bushi, they just looked like two fellas just like stood at the bar having a crack or something like that, the way they were like stood in the ring next to each other. I was thinking, why, why are you just standing there just like looking at each other? Just like, you know, just two happy go, go lucky fellas. Oh, did you watch the match yesterday? No, you know, it's a cat, you know, it looked like they were just having a little crack like that. And I was just, fuck, fucking get this over and done with, get it out of the way, and let's just like, just, just move on because it's like, Seriously, <laughs> nothing more to add. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a sad day. I mean, I, I, I you know, Romo and Shingo, like Shingo, looks like the Rock compared to the rest of Li Jane, as far as I'm concerned, as far as like charisma goes. I would, I would love to say that you're wrong about you know. Not just Hiromu, but, you know, I'd love to say there's a Shingo push coming quickly soon as well. To back into that never title picture again. 
Hiromu's probably, you know, he's gonna, he might well win the, the best of the Super Juniors coming up, you know, and he might well get put in the G1 next year, but, you know, we saw it with Osprey. First year he goes in, he's probably gonna lose all those matches anyway, so I think we are a, a few years away from that coming. Um, anything stick out to you and you two, JP or Steph, about the uh, the booking for today? They didn't really tip the hand, did we? We didn't get that, like, busload of Bullet Club lads that are mm. rumours that were in the country mm. and have been self isolating. That didn't happen, you know. Uh, Aussie Open coming in or something but to get ready for Tag League didn't happen. Didn't get that either. Um, wasn't really hugely noteworthy, I wouldn't say, from like a story point of view, uh, the rest of today's show. But, you know, uh, an indication maybe of a couple of directions coming out of it. The only thing that stood out to me today was Hiromu running to the ring and doing an Ultimate Warrior uh, entrance and reclaiming that entrance against the homophobia of Ultimate Warrior. It being reclaimed by an amazing man like Hiromu that will uh, basically dress up and drag on YouTube for no reason because he's just that cool. And that was the, <laughs> the highlight of the undercard for me today. But I did enjoy the uh, Osprey... Okan match as well and I thought Jay deserved better but then they gave him better at the end so that's it it, it felt like they were just setting up the kind of basic stuff really for power struggle it's yeah. harder to get a determination on really where New Japan are I imagine they'll start announcing cards within the next couple of days or so so it'll be interesting to see what they do from that perspective um, coming out but I suppose, yeah, the undercard was as much about familiarising ourselves again with people we hadn't seen for the last sort of, well, it feels like I hadn't seen them in forever, but it was only really about sort of like a month and a half ago. Um, but yeah, just trying to familiarise it with that. And you mentioned Tanahashi, Zach. I really, in, I, I enjoyed it. I think I went 3.75 on that and it was definitely the highlight of the B block day um, for it not to be thrown away. Um, and they've had some good battles in the past as well. But yeah, I was glad not to see all the Bullet Club members back. I was all right with that. No issue. Yeah, we dodged that bullet for one day, but I'm sure it's good. We did. Um, literally bullet. Between uh, that and Sonata, it just would have been a step too far. <laughs> yeah, just send the Bullet Club off to sea. Let's uh, let's just replace them with Osprey's faction and move on. Um, and, you know, keep Jay around, but the rest of them, like, I've got no time for anything. Tama is fantastic. At what? Can I just say? Can I just say you may you might have worked your magic with us on Jay White, but, but, but you need a, you need a new fucking you, you need a new fucking spell if you're going to if, if you're going to yeah. try and get God. Uh, that ain't that ain't happening. Get your mum on, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll talk. But no, not My my mum is the biggest fan of Bad Luck Folly's TikTok, and she tells me all the time, "Have you seen Bad Luck Folly's latest TikTok?" What? <laughs> He makes really good TikToks. Anyway, I think the title of the podcast the... might be Steph's mum. No, I think that's, that's where we've gone. <laughs> Dangerous Twink. I still think Dangerous <laughs> Twink. Dangerous Twink gets my vote. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's sad, isn't it, having to do um, yeah, doing a podcast after disappointing sex very early in the morning that you've woken up specifically for. I suppose there we are. <laughs> Uh, we're finding got... ourselves having to wank ourselves off just to fucking get by now for the rest of it Listen, mate, it's I can't believe like not each other your weekend Benno like started with basically you having to say you were a virgin on the internet and now your whole podcast has been a total like sex fest there you go. <laughs> that's been isn't it <laughs> trying to prove something there yeah 
I, I was going to say, on a completely unrelated note, uh, I did enjoy the English commentary this weekend. Uh, I thought it was. Yes. I thought Kevin Kelly, he's just so great at that job. Like, I've never liked Kevin Kelly really in his career. Love him in New Japan. Like, I'd never change it. I'm quite happy. Even when he's solo, I'll quite uh, quite happily take Kevin Kelly. Mm. Uh, Rocky Romero is a good colour guy. Chris Charlton gives you the facts. Um, sometimes I think he pushes the role a bit much, and I don't love him when he does the dramatic calls. But as far as the guy, you know, filling in with facts and translations, he's pretty. Pretty invaluable as well himself, um, but yeah, you know, he actually replied to he was one of the, he replied to me on Twitter. He wasn't one of the many people giving me abuse today, but I was kind of moaning about like they literally were set up with like a Zoom call, like you know we're on Skype now, but like the commentary was coming via Zoom. Like Kevin Kelly had a Blue Yeti mic, which is literally the mic I've got. It's not high technology. I still be. I know Chris John replied to me and said, "Oh, there's more to it. There's you know, there's more that goes on in the back end to, to get this live commentary going." But I still feel company as big as New Japan saving it to the closing weekend. I don't know. I feel like hopefully next year, maybe with a maybe the pandemic played a part or something as well. Um, hopefully next year we're back to English commentary right through because I thought they were they were great this weekend and. When you do find yourself drifting off on a Sonata or an evil match, you know, at least you've got, you know, the lads talking that kind of pulls you back in or fills you in on gaps that you've missed. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to send the shells out there because I thought uh, all three of the lads did a, did a great job uh, over the weekend, especially on the uh, the final today. I thought they were really great as well. And I don't understand how there's any possible reason that they weren't doing this for the whole entire tournament. But anyway, uh, Chris Charlton, he, he can maybe overstep his rule a little bit, but what I appreciate with the New Japan commentary and with the AW commentary is that they all just fucking get along. And that's what I like, because what annoys me the most about WWE commentary is that it feels like a load of men fighting with each other. And um, whether it's New Japan or AW, even if there's... Even when, like, Jericho joins AW commentary, it's still not like a load of guys fighting each other even though he's meant to be the heel and wwe it just there's nothing more annoying than listening to a load of men shout at each other and tell each other like like Corey graves tell everyone why they're a nerd and he's not is the most annoying thing like the new japan commentary team is my absolute favorite because they don't have that at all and I don't know. I just think about that a lot recently since Renee Young left and she's had to talk about her time in raw commentary and she's always like so polite about it. And at the end of the day, the reason why she failed on commentary is because she was competing with a load of idiot men fighting with each other. And that was it. There was no space for her whatsoever. So, yeah, I do um, commend the New Japan commentary team for this weekend. They were really good. They were Sorry, I was going to say, and Chris, I was going to say, Chris Charlton got extra bonus points for me today as well because he like came out with the line of when you're watching an evil match, you're just waiting for Dick Togo to get involved and ruin it. And then like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, he's got his finger on the pulse there with uh, what the audience is thinking. Chris, yeah. good show. <laughs> but but they work as a team, and mm-hmm. that's the same yeah. thing with AEW as well. Is that is they work as a team. They they each have strengths and weaknesses like you would have with wrestlers and you accentuate the positives and hide the negatives. Mm-hmm. Whereas in WWE they can't. So Rocky's there for the in-ring experience, but he's, you know, uh, you know, between him and Kevin Kelly, they've got a really good kind of partnership. And then like obviously Chris Charlton is able to give everything that historical context. And you just think, oh God, like I mean, he's playing very much the sort of like Mike Tanay role. 
and I'm just grateful for it. And like you say, in that B block day, especially that was like, that was keeping me going. Yeah. Like it You're really right. was. They and were. I've enjoyed Milano collection 80 from what I've, I've seen in the, in the tournament at times. They work as a team and mm. it's like, if you're going to be a heel, at least be like Jerry Lawler attitude era where you're actually funny and don't be like modern Corey Graves where you're not funny at all and you're just fucking terrible, like terrible bully type person. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, but that's it's a reflection of him because he seems like he's a fucking arsehole. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is yeah. he? Is he one of those Q and on lot that, uh, that I wouldn't surprise me at all. Jesus. And can I just give a shout out? Imagine to believing my... something worse than Scientology. It's incredible. It's <laughs> Donald Trump's a savior from satanic lizard pedophiles. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Have a look at yourself if you believe that shit. <laughs> Absolute. It's clearly bollocks. Clearly bullshit. Honestly. I was gonna say, like, can I just shout out to Masahiro Chono for looking so fucking hot and cool um when he came out. That's all. Yeah, I was just glad he didn't like get in the ring and help Sonata win. I was very I was terrified. Yeah. He was gonna be like the third gator. Uh, no, he's better than that, Chono. Can't do that. I'm I'm wearing a Rick Rude t shirt in honor of uh like just never like Chono as a result. Sorry? In honour of that terrible match. Exactly, which I blame on Chono, not Rude. <laughs> wow. I'm telling you, Chono and Dick Togo being a hot men in their 50s tag team called Hero Dick would be amazing. <laughs> wow. There's another title for the episode contender. Um, <laughs> well, on that note, so I think we're going to have to wrap up our chief um, yeah. we'll, we'll obviously be having our, uh, our wrap-up show coming uh, via the, uh, the roundtable route, but I mean, we've we've just about hit three hours as far as this show goes. Yeah. This might be bonus for the, the the couple of people who are still sticking around on Twitch, uh, Periscope and YouTube, but I'll I'll try and shoehorn it into the episode if I can make some edits, but uh, should we quickly, maybe 10 minutes or so, uh, talk a little bit about AEW this week? Uh, does anybody have any yeah, big sure. picture thoughts from that? Um, Cody, Orange Cassidy? Great little match. Maybe not as good as uh, as Cody's uh, match last week with uh, with Brody Lee. That we again kind of had to uh, to undercover. It's G one season, everyone. There's only so much time in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was another uh, very good uh, episode of Dynamite. Uh, if anyone wants to take the floor, do you think? Would you say that was a great little match, Cody? Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Did you not like it? Uh, I mean, I'm looking. What if I give it? Give it three and a half, kind of thing. I just yeah. I feel like the Orange Cassidy. Uh, I think it's run its course a little bit now. I feel like I've been overexposed to Orange Cassidy of, of, of late, and I kind of at the end of this match, I thought like uh, maybe like take him off TV for a while or something like that, or just give it. I think at first they were they were sort of they were a bit sparse. It was a bit few and far between when they when they got Orange Cassidy in the ring, and I just feel like I've I've just seen a lot of him in the last uh, last few months, and I don't know what the direction is from for him from here kind of thing and this like that, that match was fine I, I, it wasn't you know it, it wasn't anything to write home about from my perspective either I think maybe I'm just a bit down on Orange Cassidy as well but it, to me it was just it, I was just kind of just left with the feeling at the end of that of yeah yeah come like let, let, let's move on from this this now um, but I mean I think um, 
I think generally, as long as, as as long as Cody's got the belt now, kind of thing, I think there's there's definitely some more compelling things that can be that can be done going forward with that, really. But um, but yeah, I think uh, give give me a break from Orange for a while. I think it was a fine match, but I think it maybe went a little bit too long. Um, I think the finish was good though, and it caught me by surprise. And I think with Orange Cassidy, I feel like they're not quite sure what to do with him. Uh, I don't think it's right to kind of give him a break and stop him having matches because at the like at the end of the day he's a roster member so he has to compete. But I think they've kind of worked themselves because of the Jericho feud and him being so competitive in it. They've kind of worked themselves into a corner where they're not quite sure what to do with him because he just really didn't feel right having that match with Cody. Yeah, they even kind of, after everything he's done they've stopped and one thing i will agree with like they've stopped and started with that okay now he takes it seriously stuff yeah yeah they have they're not consistent with that it did feel I, soon I, to go back to that with cozy i know what you mean because he's kind of just gone back to being orange cassidy on tv uh that is a problem they've created um do you have any strong thoughts on that one jp or anything else on dynamite they'll need to i, I just think with the orange cassidy stuff they'll need to rotate him um, as much as anything else, I thought the main event was, a, well, frankly, a bit of a disappointment, really, in some ways. But I'm just, but that's up against the match they had at the Dome, for God's sakes, mm. which again, very, Stay very kind of, oh, heavily, heavily pushing it. Um, and I, you know, on the whole, like if you that kind of fantasy booking stuff, um, which requires, frankly, some people on the AEW side to kind of, you know kind of grow up a bit as well as you know just rather than saying it's harold mage which i can't ever kind of believe that but the idea of like that's the thing you run at the jacksonville stadium post pandemic you've got that stadium run a big fucking wrestling weekender and have AEW versus new japan in the stadium and see what it does why because it's your stadium like you're not going to be paying rent on it you'll get some good use out of it anyway enough of that the miro stuff um, oh, using which, a, using an arcade machine as a prop man. in an FTR match like that was so bad. I enjoyed him coming in and cleaning house. That's what I want to see. But the setup yeah. was so fucking lame. Yeah, yeah, it, that was it. It, it. It's it's really lame for it, and it's and it just again like I just don't care already. He, he but he feels more just like a guy now at this point, and you just think, oh for fuck's sakes. I honestly think, though, like, everything that's happened is completely Miro's idea, and it's Tony Khan saying yes, because I don't believe for a second that anyone would bring him in like that. And I think, I don't know what Miro's mentality is as a person, but I kind of feel like he almost kind of, like, can't be fucked with things because he sees, like, how big a person Miro can be on Twitch. So he's like hey, yeah, I'll join your company. Can I do some of my video game stuff? Yeah, I'm not here to be your top guy. I'm here to do, like, random shit with my arcade game and Kip Sabian and whatever, and and that's it. And I think that we just have, like, this expectation because we know what he could be, but no. You'll see the reason I've just put it in our chat if you just click on the YouTube link there. I think you'll see the reason why Miro's getting to do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> you'll know you already know what this joke is um yeah if you go, just click on that are you trying to say it's because he's got lots of dogs yep <laughs> oh, is that what this video that's exactly is? exactly what i'm saying yeah again 
we haven't gone back to that joke in as many times, but I think that's it. Yeah, I think you saw that. Too much for an NJP, I think. Uh, we're not getting it. Oh right, okay. It's just called uh, it's called Meet Miro's Puppies. Okay, and, and it's not Jerry Lawler. Not right. Lana. Yeah. <laughs> so he's there. He's there with several dogs. Wow. Which I imagine not having had Cody's dog around for those few weeks, um, you know, got this is him. He's gone wild again, isn't he? <laughs> buck wild see they got something in common makes sense um, <laughs> but, Tony, but like in all seriousness Tony Khan just needs to say no like that's that's it yeah. at the end of the day and that is one negative but, of AEW where sometimes they don't say no when they should but does Tony Khan really say, need to say no if you're approached by a guy like Miro who clearly doesn't give as many fucks as he should about being Miro and he's like, yeah, I just want to do like a video game thing. I think I just don't sign him in that case. Maybe, but maybe you do sign him just because of the name and you kind of let him do that because what's really the point of trying to push him to be something more than that? Then that's clearly not what he wants because you can live off that name for a little bit. I don't know. I I feel like sometimes Tony, there's certain things that Tony does need to say no about, such as like Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy continuing the most <laughs> cursed feud in the history of fucking wrestling. Oh my <laughs> God. Cursed. But you know what? If it, I think if it was me and I ran a company and someone that had the name value of Mira came in and said, look, hey mate, I kind of just want to fuck about, like I'm not really into this wrestling thing or whatever. I'd be like, you know what? You might move some numbers. Yeah, come in. I'll build you an arcade. Uh, have fun on that. Here's Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. See what you could do with that. They're going to get married. Uh, that might be fun. All right, then. Like, Here's Jimmy just... Havoc's spot. Good luck with that. Maybe that's yeah. You know. Well, yeah. It's, hey, it's better than fucking Jimmy Havoc being in that spot because I always never wanted to see that guy on my TV. So he is better than Jimmy Havoc. We'll give him that. There is that. Um, anything else anyone have any thoughts on Jericho and MJF um, it was seconds. wonderful it was very funny yes it was very funny I think the dinner next week will be even funnier and yeah it was really good that's a- it's leading the way that you kind of expect it to go which would hopefully then lead towards a kind of Jericho being kicked out of the, the group mm-hmm. that he created mm-hmm. and that's all I'm absolutely fine with that that's a perfectly good use of both of them as a slow burn storyline while Jericho does some tag stuff with Hager. Mm. I'm kind yeah. of fine with that. Um, and it's the kind of way of, you know, it's keeping him around, but it's not, you know, he's getting to spread it and ultimately, you know, spread himself about. And it, and it means that um, MJF really gets something from that at the same time. Sure. Uh, anything else on Dynamite or anything else anyone wants to mention before we go? <laughs> Nope. No, I, th- I thought while watching that the women's match was very good, but I can't think of any more takes than I have on it. But at the time, I was like, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that's, lost. that's the thing, innit? That's what they get. Um, yeah, it is an issue. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, anything you want to plug then, Steph, uh, before we get out of here? Um, just my Twitter, Stephanie M. Chase. I'm the same on Instagram. My YouTube, Stephanie Chase Wrestling, which I promise within the next week or so is going to get really good. I think I have some really good people lined up that you will like, especially if you're an AW and a New Japan fan. Oh, interesting. Michelle McCool. <laughs> <laughs> One day. All right. One day. Anything for us, Jake? Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry. 
Twitter. Uh, yeah, graps and claps, where oh, I'm yeah, a complete mess. Um, I'm all right, for, I think, for two hours ten, and then it, it falls off a very steep cliff hmm. at that stage. Um, but, you know, you try going pint for pint with the Ogdens and Chris, and they, who were brilliant, <laughs> by the way. And it was fantastic they came down. And it, we did have a cracking day, but my God, was I a state afterwards. But yeah, <laughs> listen to that. You'll hear exactly how that happened. Okay. Um, what a plug. Yeah, with loads and loads of TNA talk. Um, Jeff Jarrett. And yeah, I even spilled the beans on my Jeff Jarrett podcast, which Mark Buckledy has, has given a name for, Forest Bump. So he'd be involved as like a subtitle because he's involved in everything in wrestling and all the great sort of loads of stuff. And there's bumps. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> If you, anyone love else can it. come up with anything else better why not I'm, I'm good with that I absolutely love that I'm, I'm trying to think of something quantum, I'm trying to think of something quantum leap related or something like that <laughs> quantum Jeff <laughs> uh, but yeah obviously me and, uh, me and Gareth are very jealous not being able to make that trip to Oxford this time uh, hopefully hopefully sometime soon JP when the world gets a bit more normal uh, but Gareth uh, anything from the grapple end you want to plug uh, being G1, the end of G1 season now yeah, just I mean, same as always. Obviously, just uh, download the app. You know, use the app um, to you know find out what what some of the best matches from G One are. Go back and um, and watch using the um, using the average ratings there. Um, obviously, just you know a lot of different events coming up towards the end of the year. So yeah, get your ratings in and give us a follow on uh, at Grapple App on Twitter, and you know hopefully see a few uh, competitions and things like that. We've got a you know a code that will be sent out for I think it's Bound for Glory's next weekend. I think for, for Impact Wrestling, so we'll be giving away free code for that. So look out for that, and then also. So um, just obviously any graphics and things that we're uh, that we're putting out, just summarising the uh, the G1 and some of the best matches as well from September and October. So so look out for that. Awesome. Um, for me, follow me on Twitter at Benson Richie D. Uh, I'm going to be on Will Cooling's podcast. Uh, we're recording Wednesday night, so I imagine it'll be out uh, some point this week on PW Torch. So if you're a, a subscriber, subscriber, look out for that. Uh, the British Wrestling Report, one of three podcasts that I uh, I unfortunately <laughs> named uh, British Wrestling Experience, British Wrestling Report, and British Wrestling Spotlight. Three suggestions <laughs> I came up with that the idiots like us went with, um, and I'm finally getting to go on this uh, this podcast with Will to uh, to. To, to enjoy the uh, the fruits of uh, of me creating that namesake, uh, I'm really excited to do it. Though uh, I'm a massive uh, Torch fan, been subscribed for a long time, so uh, here over there is something I'm really really looking forward to. Uh, other than that, uh, yeah, as far as uh, we're concerned, there will be a G1 wrap up show coming to the uh, so the roundtable. Uh, stay tuned to yep. our Twitter for, for for news about that. But yeah, in the meantime, that's it for another show. Thanks for everybody who uh, stayed up late with us. It's near one in the morning. Uh, thanks for people who stuff around <laughs> on Twitch, Periscope, and YouTube. Um, and again, thank you for anyone who's uh, listening to the replay as well. We'll be back again soon, everyone. See ya. Bye. Bye. And sorry, Ben Carter. <laughs> <laughs> why did you take the food off his table? <laughs>